Welcome to Patch of Watch, episode 210. I'm back here with Avast. Jake this time woke up in time for the episode. Not asleep. Yep. Not in my bed. Yep. Love Big to day. see you. Big day for the I podcast. gave you another chance. I gave you a second chance, and here you are. Happy to have you here. You, you know the meme is. The meme is the meme is like nothing to talk about. Jake, I sleep. New Overwatch Esports? <laughs> Jake's here. You know. Real shit. New New Overwatch Esports real shit, Jake's oh, here. Oh, you, you know? curse with the other five, ten seconds we're gonna be. Right, this is gonna my eyes are popping open. <laughs> Bloodshot. Yep. Yep, that's it. Well, I'm sharing uh, with some coffee this morning. It's been a lovely morning so far. Avril, good to have you here as well, even though it's like 5 a.m. in Australia. Um, well, we'll talk about your region. I know you're a sad man today, but we'll talk about your region um, a bit later. Uh, let's start out with the excitement. Uh, this is going to be a massive episode. Earlier today, the 2024 Overwatch eSports circuit was announced under a new name uh, called the Overwatch... Wait, I gotta get this right. Uh, <laughs> the Overwatch uh, Championship Series? Champions. Champion Series. Champions. The Overwatch Champion Series. Whoa. Um, immediately gets it wrong. I got to get it right. Immediately gets it wrong. Look, I'm all right. Right. my head we'll is all over there. the place. I've been a lot of info to digest. You know, we got schedules to talk about. We got two major events coming later this year. We got competition starting in February for the Asia region. Open qualifiers. I want to do with Face It. Lots of stuff to break down here. Uh, but first of all, we got to talk about one thing. And the one thing only. It's a manscape, baby. Roses are red, violets are blue, and there's the rocket. Avast loves this rocket. This is Avast's favorite rocket. I love this rocket. Yeah. <laughs> violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off plus free shipping with code PLATCHAT. That's right. Code PLATCHAT for 20% off plus free shipping with code PLATCHAT. Let's talk about the hero of Valentine's Day. The lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This electric trimmer features skin-safe technology guarding your V-Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. It also comes with the brightest LED spotlight, yet it's brighter than your best romantic smile. Perfect for precise grooming, even in the trickiest spots. Oh, and it's waterproof, making shower shaves a breeze. But hey, that's not everything the Love Doctor ordered. This package also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 Nose Hair Trimmer, Manscapes Liquid Formulations, and two free goodies, the Shed Travel Bag and Boxers 2.0, because comfort is king for all my dogs. And for my happy ending, there's the Manscaped Refined cologne. It's the Valentine's Day touch to your grooming routine. Elevate your grooming routine and set the stage for a romantically smooth celebration. And for the Bearded King, Manscaped brings you Beard Hedge Trimmer Pro Kit designed to shape your scruff effortlessly. It sculpts your cheek lines and maintains beard styles. This is good for Mr. X. We need to get Mr. X one of these. Uh, giving you that suave look for your romantic moment. Seamlessly handing even thicker beards is the perfect tool for a polished, date-ready appearance. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PLATCHAT at manscaped.com. Here we go. How did I do, Jake? One to ten. That was impressive. I, that was a great. That was my very, Yaki great triple job, shatter Yaki. moment. I'm gonna, gonna give you like an eight. eight. I'm gonna give you like an eight. Solid, solid. Thank you. Thank this, you. This 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 picture of the dude on the floating thing that should just be Matt. Yeah. Can we have that Matt to reenact this? <laughs> we should do a sexy plaque calendar. And that, yeah. should, that could raise now some that, fun. That, oh, whoa! Whoa! All right. That could raise some fun for sure. <laughs> I, I like that we do all the long, longest ad reads with our one non-native English speaker as well that's always like, my favorite one too <laughs> and so and it's all you do bad does you do well you do no no he well. does it really well i just find it funny that we foist that opportunity on to the per the only person on the podcast here that doesn't speak english natively 
People don't know this, but like this is how I've been practicing my casting in the offseason. I just read demand script scripts uh, really fast and try to speak at uh, the, the, the pace of This is basically the same thing uh, we do as, yeah. as casters. Yeah. Like, you're ready, bro. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's dig di uh, deep into the 2024 uh, Overwatch Esports format. Um, obviously, these are like, you know, the biggest tier one thing. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be everything that we're getting this year. Um, is the World Cup going back? Is uh, Calling All Heroes coming back after the conclusion uh, later in February? We don't know that stuff yet, but this is the big thing replacing the overwatch league after overwatch league it's jover you know it, it was a great time uh, go to the site go to the overwatch league site right now it's very uh, wait, sad the overwatch league site? i haven't even been to the overwatch league.com typing it in uh, type in overwatch league.com right now oh wow oh that's thank that's, you overwatch league that's that's it that's it it is it's it's that's it guys yeah. that's it it does bring a tear to my eye you literally go to the overwatch league homepage and it just says thank you overwatch league yeah yeah. Hey, now I, mean, I can't remember for hey. the actual Twitter account. Did they end up changing the Overwatch esports account? Was that the old Overwatch yeah. League account, right? Yes, it was. Okay. So all the Overwatch okay. League branding has been changed over gotcha. now. Okay, yep. I couldn't figure that they were doesn't using doesn't exist. Yeah, RIP, RIP Overwatch uh, League. Oh, I missed it already. Yeah, I missed it already. Yeah, hopefully someone doesn't like steal that tag and starts uh, shitposting. <laughs> that'd be that'd be the worst timeline. I mean, that would be really this. funny, but like, what what is it? They don't really care at this point because the the thing. I, I trust the bad patch mark. Will BP that, can take care of the brand. How does that work? Because if somebody has that tag, to all the old posts that have that. Added, no, 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 it doesn't get to redirected to them necessarily. Oh, okay. It depends on the account because we've, it just depends. Because like, there's some guy that has the Team Envy account, and Team Envy doesn't exist as a brand anymore. But I used to work for them, and I looked up. I was like, who has this account still? And not all the old accounts post or under that it, it's it's based off the account still yep so um i i just kind of want to go over this overwatch league blog uh while we have it up i mean we brought it up now so we might as well go through it um and there is a quote here uh that i do want to talk about um as we're moving into this new system um on the thank you uh, overwatch league blog it says with today's announcement of the overwatch champions series we are also sunsetting the overwatch contenders and open division brands the path to pro system has been an initiative that has welcomed so many of our players and fans into overwatch esports and developed so much of the talent that made overwatch league with owcs the new one we now have a more open ecosystem where any player can fight their way to OWC as champion. We are thankful for everyone who participated, supported, and engaged with Path to Pro over the years and welcome you to this next step of competitive Overwatch with us. And this has kind of been the new slogan, the new brand for Overwatch Esports in 2024. It's open. Um, everyone should be able to participate. Obviously, we'll talk about the partnership with Faceit a bit later. But overall, I want initial thoughts here. On Overwatch really going to the other side of the spectrum and opening things up for all players to participate at all levels. It, it, it means Team Player Check can win the entire World Cup. <laughs> I'm actually down. The entire World I'm Championship. actually down. So, yeah. I'll coach you guys for an hourly fee. <laughs> I'm going to be busy, so <laughs> probably not me either. These guys, these guys just a jumping ship already. It's oh, we're not jumping ship. Crazy. We just, uh, I mean, no, I got, no, I got I'm gonna, to do. I'll coach you. I just... There's a, a small chance that you didn't win any prize money, so I'd like to be compensated for my time. Mm, that's true. That's true. You could have the coach. The coach. Some people. Some coaches get the prize money split, so we could. They could write that into the contract. No, I don't. Know. I'm not interested in a prize money oh. split. On no one's out. What about what about merch revenue? How much of that? You could be like kind of be like a messy going to Miami FC thing. You know, you can get the broadcast. We could, deals, we could talk. We could talk. Mm. We could we could come to an arrangement. Is all I'm gonna say. All right. So um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where you really want to start with all this news. Do you want to jump into the calendar um, and just look at macro? Um, Do you have the calendar, Johnny? We, well, 
There was a graphic. Um, in I the have blog. the calendar. Okay. Do, do we do it? we go through the uh the future of esports Overwatch esports blog because that's that's like because there's the blog and there's a video. Yeah, and the blog I was would be the pausing better. the video to look at the calendar. Yeah, the the, the I have the calendar is also chat. in the blog. The images in the images in chat too. In yeah, Overwatch let's uh, let's go yeah, to the WCS uh, calendar before we go to the um, to the format breakdown because if you scroll down this blog, almost like at the bottom really, uh, there's the format look. Uh, but there is a calendar towards the bottom, so there you see as well, uh, which basically clarifies what will be happening in the different regions in North America, EMEA, and Asia. Um, you got Asia Stage 1 qualifiers starting in February and kind of like going into March, but North America and EMEA is going to start in March, and then there's a two-month break in June and July, uh, and then there's really events August, September, October, November um, throughout there. So this is kind of what we've been hoping for too, right? A larger calendar, more events throughout the year. I mean, this is essentially the exact, this, this is essentially like a, it's not too far away from what the Overwatch League calendar was, to be fair. This is eight months of Overwatch and four months of break. So well, it's when just did we start Overwatch League up. last year? Yeah, like no, April. I mean, like I said, I, I say like the old, like not the most recent Overwatch League schedules. The most recent Overwatch League schedules were six months of Overwatch, ten or maybe seven if you include some of the preseason stuff. But like, it's still essentially not that far off from the calendars we had since like overwatch season one overwatch League season one kind of like it's eight yeah. months with the only difference i'd say which i think is kind of nice is that it's gonna feel more continuous because it's like four months break middle break and then four months and then end break versus just like eight versus like you know six months six month break <laughs> you know so i think it feels yeah. more continuous and, and i think there's gonna be more stuff going on even outside of like this specific calendar and like these tournaments, I think that's from a, from a fundamental perspective, opening up the scene changes that in a, in a bigger way where like, yeah, there might be a break from OWCS, but that's, it's not like a break from Overwatch League where you like, no, okay, like there's not going to be any tier one competitive Overwatch going on for like a couple months, like for sure. But even if OWCS isn't on, I think there's still going to be uh, more exciting stuff to watch, whether it's like content via streamers or, or um, people playing competitively. I think, one thing I've been excited to see, like a cool trend that I hope to see continue, is people like streaming scrims um, and streaming their tournament POVs and things like that. I think that's like actually really good for the scene, um, and and I want to see more of that, especially as OWCS ramps up, and especially when there's more of those like tournaments on the side, things of that nature, um, more places for people to make content and to engage with the community um, outside of just pure like competitive broadcast stuff. Yeah, I mean, they mentioned third-party tournaments uh, and third-party third-party licenses and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, expecting the gaps in the calendar and around the calendar to be filled out with different sorts of stuff. But um, given that you still have to get a third-party license, it's, you're probably not going to see any sort of clashes. It still seems like one of those esports ecosystems that will be um, like I don't. They'll probably open up third-party somewhat, but not open up so much that you know. People are just going to start running tournaments during the actual season. It depends so. on the licensing fees, right? Like you said, Avril. That's really the big thing here because I think there's one, the mandate of like with Overwatch League, it's like, this is our big product. And if you wanted to make a secondary product in tournament, like people just inherently didn't respect it as much because it wasn't a main event product. So like it disincentivized yep. TOs to run. But also there's the financial aspect, which is bigger here of like, for, especially for this format of like, how much is going to cost to run a tournament? Uh, because like in the past, it cost, I think TOs like, because I think it's based off your prize pool. Because it was like if you pay, if you had a prize pool of like less than ten thousand yeah, dollars, you didn't really have to like pay a licensee fee. 
It's total so, conversation, not even just prize pool. Yeah, and then I think so. It just depends on like what the like you know. It's nice that the now the methodology of the of the system is going to be open because like people TOs would be like, oh, like not everything. Oh, not everyone only cares about the Overwatch League, right? But also like what's the financial backing of like you know how much you have to invest to run a tournament per se is a very big thing, especially because TOs are still getting pretty squeezed across the board. Um, there's why we've had such systematic like collectivization of TOs because it's really expensive to put on events. Yeah, so we'll I feel like with the partnership um, with DreamHack, which we'll talk about later, that, that already sort of feels like a sign that they're more open to tournament organizers coming in and hosting events. I think that, you know, the, the people currently in charge of Overwatch Esports, I do feel in some way that they have very different philosophies compared to like the 2017 days or 2018 days, right? Where maybe they're more um, open to the idea of letting tournament organizers host this. I don't know who in the department sets the licensing fees, but I think the hope for everyone is that they'll actually like lower that fee, if any, to try and get as many tournaments as possible, especially in that June, July, two month break. Like, I don't see a world where, where, where they were like, yeah, a two month break would be really healthy for our esport. <laughs> so if anything, I think the opposite that like, they're kind of hoping that someone will come in clutch and actually host something um, in that two month down break kind of. Because like after, after May, like June and July, completely empty here. So yeah. Um, which is, is not that dissimilar to other... I mean, that's how VCT essentially runs their circuit currently, is that they like, have their main events, and then it's like, okay, third-party TOs, here's your chance, right? Like, get in here at these areas. And they kind of block it out ahead of time. So it just it also depends on how active a front office... Because I know they still have Bailey, who is their Overwatch esports lead now. She used to run the Call All Heroes specifically stuff, I believe. But I don't... I just don't know exactly how involved their front end is going to be with like scheduling that, right? So there's a lot, there's a lot of unanswered questions, right? We 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 still don't know like a decent amount in certain ways. Yeah, yep, completely agree there. So as we look towards this kind of calendar, um, is there anything you feel like is missing from this calendar? Uh, I mean, we talked about World Cup, we talked about you know, or we haven't talked about World Cup and calling all heroes really, but that's missing. Yeah, that would be missing. Yeah, that'd be a huge loss, right? If we didn't see World Cup this year. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna say. For me, I, and also just as a prelude, I think this schedule, and it's been relatively confirmed by people that were like Overwatch League since then, was this was what was presented to team owners at the end of this year for like, hey, if we kept running Overwatch League theoretically, it's going to be coming like this, you know? Um, That's and I think what they got, yeah, because what I was, what I heard, and this backs it up, and it's been backed up by people on Twitter that used to work at Overwatch League as well, is like, there is only, first of all, the biggest thing for me, obviously besides World Cup, there's only two events, two land events scheduled currently for the whole year, um, which is, don't get me wrong, like we're all happy. We're like happy we've risen from the, from the ashes like a phoenix a bit, like something exists, obviously. It's just when I look at major titles and our goal to hopefully to aspire every major title, only having two scheduled land events is, um, you know, that's going to be, because they said two international events, right, in the blog post, I believe. Um, you know, that's just, it's a little low, you know? It's a little low for, like, something that's a whole year's worth of potential competition. But hopefully they're hoping someone else is going to step up. But I'm going to be honest, no TO probably is going to come together. Unless, you know, we're looking at some TOs that some people might find more unsavory to put that amount of budget out there to run another international event, right? Um, so I, I think, and that's, I think, what gave potentially some of the owners pause as well, along with some a lot of other conditions, to be fair, is that it seems to be a slight, you know, it's not like a lot, a lot of land competition for international events. But 
you know, I'm in the scenario here, and I feel like everyone else should be like, oh, we'll take what we can get type of thing. So, I mean, the way I see it, honestly, a lot of these changes is it's the beginning of like a new era. And whether that succeeds or fails is like unknown, I guess. Like whether we do we scale up from here? Can we do we have like a brighter future? Or is this is it gonna be like a slow downtrend? That's not we don't know that yet, right? So I see this as like the first stab at a huge change at post Overwatch League. What the hell are we doing here? Um, but then the success of of this format and its and its popularity are gonna drive like we will see for sure more budget, more events if there's more interest and more excitement about what we're doing and the community is there for it. So I think it it, it and, and like what metrics they're seeing in the game. Um, I think this degree to which this gets supported and grows is gonna just be dependent on its results. Um, and I think that's the nature of a grassroots scene, right? If the if the tournaments, if if the fans like are flocking to these these tournaments and like they want it to be a thing, then we'll see more TO budget for them. And I think that's just basically what we have to wait and see on is like how this actually works, how people genuinely respond to this. Um, but I'm I'm pretty hopeful. I think opening the scene up, hopefully that the uh, the big thing that this can do is like get more connection to what Team Four is doing, what's going on with the game, what's available for like your average player. Um, and for this to be something that like anybody can hop in and play, I really like to see like more integration into the game client and like more more stuff going on that affects just anybody who likes playing Overwatch a little bit competitively. I think esports has lost some of what made it great in the beginning, in the olden days, which is just like you play the game, you're pretty good. Like you might, you should probably join a team. You know, like that. That's like a normal thing people do is play play in leagues, play in tournaments, and things like that. Even if they're not elite players who are going to do this professionally that that grassroots can can really you know grow the scale of the scene and not just make it all about oh it's only about being fans of like the elite players i would also look out for uh what's happening in the asia region uh because when we talk about there only being two lands i think there's a there's a good chance asia's gonna end up extending that uh if you look at how fly shops was run most recently in asia with where they integrated the regions i mean it's the same region specific japan plus Korea and um, Asian, well, Korean history with WDG in their studio, they've had like actual LAN seasonal games as well. So given that, you know, the Korean region's all there, there's a possibility that we can have seasonal games in studio. I think that's a possibility. So um, Asia might be kind of spare fronting more LAN play than the other regions because they have the capability to do so on top of the fact that there's, there's a major in the final. True. Yeah, yeah. So when we talk about the open qualifiers here a little bit, I talked about how it was a bit of a shift in in the spectrum of like the franchising of the Overwatch League, and obviously they talked about in the blog how they are, they're actually getting rid kind of a path of the pro here, like they're just scrapping you know contenders and open division and all of that, but they're still opening up uh, this plate to everything. Everyone, I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts how you think this is going to impact the the Overwatch Two ecosystem, like how people enjoy yeah. Overwatch, you know, on Twitch, obviously. Streamers and content creators has for a long time been wanting more of these open qualifiers um, and wanting a way to kind of participate here. I think most recently we've seen even in flash shops like there weren't a ton of broadcasts for flash shops. Like we really only got the 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 the, the official broadcast 
for the playoffs, right? We didn't really get the qualifiers, etc. So we relied on people in the community like you, Avril, um, doing co-streams for um, the Asia region. And also, even currently, someone like Door, for example, who's co-streaming Calling All Heroes, right? You know, putting forth a, a kind of broadcast there. So I, I'm curious how you think this is going to affect kind of like the content creation aspect of this and how you think Overwatch Esports content will look different in this open format uh, compared to last year. I actually just want to... Well, I'll talk about that, but I also want to... Uh, highlight something about the tier two in general is that i think despite there being no contenders or open division like all of these qualifiers replace that like in my mind that is what the new path to pro is the path to pro is directly you go into these open qualifiers you make it through you know the format of uh whatever it is around robin to swiss or whatever and then you swiss make it into the, the actual stage to main event essentially yeah exactly so you that that is the tier two right that's going to be this is right here this is what the new tier two essentially is and then you make it to the quote-unquote tier one which is tournament so the whole thing in a way is every tier at the same time all at the same time in the same system. every tier all the time so, <laughs> i mean it's more path every, to pro every than tier old all path to pro. Don't, because old path to pro yeah. even if you won an open division and went to contenders and won contenders you don't go to overwatch league i mean you sort of did in apac towards the end but like you know like the yeah. You, now you actually, if you win, it is a legitimate path to being on the tier. Yeah, one your stage your team can just go qualify and play. I I think that's a massive massive deal. Whereas like before, it was like, yeah, you did good. Now we like grind up your team to dust and take the best players. Also, like um, there's no there's no hope for the team. It's just the individuals. In the same blog, right above the 2024 calendar, there's like stuff written. I don't know about the NA and EU regions, but in Asia. They've got WDG Cup, WDG Scholastic Tournament, so they've already got, like, planned out non-OWCS stuff already, which you can kind of... So I That's, like, adjacent, right? It's, like, Tier 2, Tier 3 adjacent kind of level stuff on top of the fact that they're the Open Qualifiers. So um, we, we there's no news about Collegiate yet. So if you look at NA, this is more for NA, not for EU, unfortunately, but Collegiate and Calling All Heroes have been things in the past that uh, have been part of that extended program so if those make a return then that would be something that kind of fills out na a bit and then eu i don't know hopefully they get something in the future um in terms of content i mean we talked about the fact that there is eligibility for content creators just co-stream like there was full coach i don't think it's in this blog but it's, it's in, in the, the dream um, hack blog yeah dream hack dallas, dallas I'll, I'll give that i'll drop that in the thing for you um, yeah, they they wrote down specifically that streamers can just freely co-stream. Is that right of us? I, I don't know if I... Uh, I mean, it sounds that, like they're going to have read. full eligibility for co-streamers is what DreamHack themselves have said. But it remains to see like what exactly, you know, what exactly that uh, means, right? Because obviously no one knows... You might have that, to apply. Yeah, like, and it, just like no one knows can do it, where this is going to be broadcast maybe though be either. Easy. As well, no one knows where mm -hmm. this is going to be broadcast. Where everyone is assuming it's going to be an open broadcast, but who? Because like, how the hell are they going to get broadcast rights? But like, you know, like I, I, I'm, I think that's a, a, an open. That's also interesting because also now when we're, it gets more stratified too. Because I don't even know if that's Overwatch esports rules, right? Like set from Overwatch esports, or that's just DreamHack rules. Because now we're no longer just dealing with a central person. Like, here's how the rules work. Now we're getting tos, right? That are like running their own products, so like. That's another interesting part of like the fragmentation a bit of uh, not fragmentation, but rather like the third party, you know, contracting of some of this uh, of these lands and events is that we're going to be starting to interface more with like other more endemic TOs that have their own sets of rules potentially. But I imagine most of this is yeah. going to be set by 
the Overwatch esports pays because they're paying them to put on the events, I assume, and you know, contract them to do that. So, unless there's like a, another broadcast deal, which is extremely unlikely, I think that would definitely open up restrictions a lot. But it would still depend on the TO and like whoever's in charge to decide full co streaming rights and all that kind of stuff. But beyond that, um, players can stream their POVs. So, I think that's one of the one of the huge yeah. factors here is just seeing more like individual. I think people like people streaming their own POVs, streaming scrims, streaming like qualifiers and stuff is like for me that's like super exciting. Like that's like the most interesting thing for me to watch. Maybe that's because I'm like more of a like hardcore nerd. I want to like hear their team comms the whole time and like you know hear the way they're thinking about the game and stuff like that. But I think that's an exciting opportunity for a lot of pros to like break into some more content related stuff yeah um, i mean honestly so there's co-streams but then there's also like just streaming the tournament from your pov that that was honestly one of the more underrated kind of like really bad things about the overwatch league was the fact that players were not allowed they weren't allowed to stream when the overwatch league was on i can't remember the specific rules in the later years but especially like 2018 2019 it was really strict like if a player went live on their twitch channel while the overwatch league was on they were like forced to shut it down and that prevents kind of the growth of these star players right because yeah sometimes they might not even watch the stream maybe you know if i'm on an overwatch league team maybe i'll just go play ranked instead and like maybe you quote unquote drive viewership away from the main broadcast with your 500 viewers or whatever but the point being that you know with that jake i really do think you're giving um the best players in the scene to grow their individual channels more and grow a fan base and more people will have their eyes on individual players right it so now no, now we're not even talking about like an all-access pass where like you can get player pvs they're actually like almost providing them themselves right now you might not get it in the most extreme like semi-finals grand finals moments that'd be super hype obviously but the question if it does impact performance you of course don't want to stream but more content from the players themselves really opens the door to build out their brands and to give more attention to the best players in the scene right so that seems like a net good with this change you know, i think that's really... crucial for esports in general yeah. just getting more star building of the pro players which happens in esports by streaming by personal engagement it doesn't happen by like the broadcast spending more money to promote you it's really sad johnny is like hearing about that in obviously we, i think everyone on the inside knew about that just remembering that is like about the whole streaming thing with uh with players during the league was live is we had twitch in the first two years it was prime time for co-streaming to take place except co-streaming wasn't really a thing back then because uh josh wilkinson didn't invent it yet he didn't invent that until 2019 <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> so he didn't invent it early enough but but I do think he invented. No, he probably didn't. I don't know. Anyway, no, the, he the didn't. point he is, he didn't like, invent it, but he had, definitely popularized it. We we had Twitch in the first two years, and if we had the foresight, you could have had scump situations like CDL scump. Even though like that kind of fell to shit, we're not going to get into that. But dude, when that guy co-streamed CDL when he was allowed, he was getting mega viewership, and that's what you would have wanted out of your players in the first two seasons, if possible. And you wouldn't have had this whole like, oh, but it's on YouTube and you stream on Twitch. That doesn't really work out. No, we're all on Twitch, so it all works out. So that was uh, really disappointing. And so maybe that with that sort of change it up for 2024 will make things really good. And I just think involving the content creators in general is really huge because we saw that with the World Cup last year, right? Um, when all the content creators were involved and they were doing co-streams, they were putting up content, they were putting up videos, they were po posting their reactions. It's really big for the eSport because that's it, 
so much additional marketing. And hopefully the, they don't make Overwatch League Doomer videos anymore. Just complaining about <laughs> oh, and yeah, that's, I was going to mention, by the way, I was going to mention, by the way, I was like, dude, the the most, the saddest person right now, the, the person that's fuming the hardest right now is the guy that score eSports. It's like, no, Overwatch has got good news. No, I, oh, I fucking hate Overwatch. Scores like they're, they're planning their next hit piece already. Like, how, how can we how can we spin this negatively, guys? Guys, how can we make this bad? How can we make this bad? Uh, oh, Avril versus the larger video. games media is a classic. That's a classic. <laughs> never, it's never going to get old. There, David versus Goliath here. I won't get old in this in this long lasting feud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Twitch rhymes. Oh, Jack. <laughs> there's Jack. We're gonna do a draw stick. There's Jack. Uh, I was like, jaws. oh, we're gonna. Do you want to stream today, Jack? And he's like, oh, I have Twitch rhymes. Like, oh, fuck yeah, I forgot. I forgot about he's that. He's doing this from the UK. He's in the UK. He was yeah. complaining the whole time. Do you know what he said? He's like, oh, I don't think I can do play Jack, guys. You know, my mic's not very good. My setup's not very good. <laughs> Motherfuckers on Twitch rivals right now. Well, to be fair, I'm sure he's getting paid a lot more from Twitch rivals than we pay him on average. So to be honest, let like, him get I the bag. Let him get the bag, all right? He's having well, a tough time I'm, I'm in the UK. For, I'm happy he's for having him. a tough yeah, time. So, you know, I, he's got to get some wins. He's got to get some wins here and there. I hope they slay the Ender Dragon in this stream, Jack. I want you to cast that one. Is there any gameplay? Is there any Minecraft there gameplay is gonna on this be... No, it's a, it's oh, a Minecraft Travis podcast. It's, he's on a different no, podcast. It's, like a, it's a mod where it's like a it's like a Hunger Games type of mod or some shit where like everyone's fighting, playing against each other. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's the way I understand it. Um, he was explaining it. Oh, no, so they, still have, they still have time. Oh, they're doing yeah, a pre-show, right? This is the format is, though. It's like, it's like a literal Hunger Games thing where everyone gets stuff from the cornucopia and they run around and hunt each other and, and fight and stuff. So, All right. Yeah. Well, we don't actually know um, with the Overwatch announcement how many broadcast days we're going to have. So, you know, good on Jaws, diversifying his talent portfolio, making sure he gets a, a, a step in every scene, you know. So mm -hmm. Minecraft could be a big part of... Uh, could be, yeah. Jaws Johnny, that, that, Johnny, that would be the craziest monkey's paw curling. It'd be like, hey guys, all the all all you players that want to compete, you can stream. Why? Because there's no official broadcast. GG. Well, wow. I mean, knowing the trend how esports is going, uh, <laughs> they do love to cut broadcast a lot. So, like, you know, everyone better boot up those streams. <laughs> better boot those up because it's uh, broadcast. You guys know how you, you don't you, love it. You guys know how you said you want a co-stream? Well, now you got it. And that's all, all there is. There's nothing else. <laughs> Only co-streams. We're all content I'm creators now. I'm too for this scene as well, by the way. Like, they didn't announce anything how the... Because um, there's the two international events. And, like, okay, it goes majors to international event, correct? Is that the current setup? It goes, there's, like, the majors. Yeah. So they have their majors for all the regions. And then from the majors, that goes to the finals. No, 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 no. This, yeah, the the major is majors. the international event. Yeah. The main event oh, okay. to the majors, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, main event to the majors, that's right. So I'm wondering, I just want to see how the tournament, I, I'm interested to see how the um, score, I'm assuming they're going to use a point system, right? Where like, yeah, yeah, yep, they, they wrote that, yep. Way. Did they write that down? Okay, I didn't There's circuit that, points. So. Somewhere they wrote circuit I don't know. points. Ah, circuit points. I don't, know why, I don't know why they wrote majors. It's just one major. There's not like many majors. There's a single major. Yeah, it is interesting, well, the, right? The second major is the finals, I, I think. It's, yeah, oh, so that's why, just but why, yeah, but why that's, not just... Well, that's not a major, it's just I mean, I mean, I think calling it, if anything... Like it's just they're calling it finals because they're making one bigger than the other. But I, yeah. I think calling them both majors is like kind of reasonable. Yeah, like, I think I could call, like, you could call them like, both what, majors. Sure. I still, putting making another category after major for like super majors, I don't, it seems kind of silly. Well, I think that no, no, makes no, sense just, to note that. But why? They, why why pluralize it? There's only one major essentially. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's, I agree. There's no, yeah, no, I agree anyway. with Avril there. Yeah. 
It's, but whatever. It's confusing because it makes it sound like there's more than one. But there's one. Well, it's, Don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, I guess it is like one international event with everyone coming together, right? So that, that yeah. is odd, I guess. But I mean, sure. Okay, but that's good. The way it's written on the camera. I also want to know uh, a big thing for me because I think a lot of people too have been speculating like what's the sustainability of this for players? Um, because right now, uh, as far as I'm aware, nothing has – like it's really early on so we don't know, right? But like I think a big thing from an organizational perspective, people are like, wow, this is great. Esports are back. And it's like, well, do well. we have any like – do we have any in-game revenue that we can give to teams? Is there any sort of like transactions for that? Like, cause realistically most organizations at this point in esports life cycle will not invest money in a game. If there's not developer support in terms of the side of like transactions and in-game revenue. Um, Viewership incentives. Yeah. Well, our players going to get a cut of the mercy drops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's, there's things that overwatch could do to directly incentivize players, which Maybe not. Maybe they cut out the middleman. They could be like, "Fuck it, we're going Tesla with this," and like, we don't have dealerships. We just give it to the person directly. But like, I even though they have a dealership, so I mean, essentially, they've made a dealership. It's just their own. But like, either way, like, I think that like they could do that, or they could give in-game. You know, pretty much, they just need to have some sort of model to where like, if you want orgs involved to make some more sustainability for players, they're gonna have to have some sort of the some sort of you know incentives for that. Because it, currently, it's like, such an interesting interesting topic. I kind of like the concept i mean i think it's so early on like who knows what the model is going to be yeah but <clears throat> if you take the perspective that esports in general is a young industry and it's still forming i kind of think the long medium to long-term future for esports is a more direct to player model with something like which is, makes it weird with stuff like if like you're only paying players from prize pool then it's like there's the downside of that it's very spiky right like some players make a lot of money if there's a big prize pool and they get first place but obviously a ton of players make nothing because they don't win any money. Um, and and there's downsides to that model too, but I don't hate the concept of more um, direct-to-player revenues and, and and yeah, I guess cutting out the middleman as far as orgs are concerned. I feel like less... Um, I don't know. I think I think that is ultimately from like a from like a long term financial incentives perspective. Like what what is it that orgs really offer in into esports? Like I I I'm salaries really on it. I mean, it's like it's like they defray. So they like okay, they they take salary. So they like get income from other ways. They sell sponsorships. They they do all these things to generate revenue, and then they pay players a salary, and that like mitigates all of the ups and downs for players. Which that's that's a valuable service. Mm -hmm. I think there is meaning to that. However, from that's not valuable from like a deep value generation perspective. That's like a, a that's like a filtering mechanism for for revenue. And if there's like if if those same players could do deals on their own or without an org and get the money and then share it amongst themselves, if if that can be accomplished, which is a big if. It's like I don't know. I don't know. About You're asking eighteen or twenty-year-old entrepreneurial players to get their own sponsors. <laughs> well, exactly right. It's like it seems unlikely, but I so and so I think there are there are problems with it, but I do think that like. You know, there is a world where, where that actually makes more economic sense and you do cut out. The well, it also de-risks so the company. My final thought is orgs, it's the same thing for traditional sports. Orgs also de-risk financially um, and, de and kind of remove the burden a bit of like the central player, right? Because like, for example, if we go that method, then that means Riot now or Blizzard would be directly involved. Like you have to bear all the costs of all the marketing of all the success of your organization, right? Um, these league perspectives, like when you look at like the NFL and NBA and stuff like that, they're actually 
throwing some of this burden of marketing and generating revenue onto partnership teams essentially. And like saying like, we're not in charge of all this. So we don't have to pay extra people to do this. You guys are direct shareholders in this. And like you win when we win and we win when you win. Right. And so that's kind of like the, where orgs I think fit into the model is that like when you remove orgs, yes. Can you remove a middleman where players can get paid directly, but also you remove a bunch of specialized people where players like Johnny was saying, they're not going to have five 18 year olds be like, okay guys, Let's build the deck and show how we can do 20 cent CPM on this video coming up for the, for the yeah. upcoming sponsor. Like that's just not going to happen. Uh, and additionally, agree, agree, like agree. as a blizzard, like they would like to have partners to help market their game and kind of take the financial burden off of them to pay players, to keep it more sustainable. I think that's, I think where the, the model of like, cause that's not even just like a esports thing. That's like a franchise sports thing in general, right? Agree. There is a job that somebody has to do. And I'm not saying that like, just have the players do this job. They're totally unqualified to do. Um, and ra rather, it's just a question of like, whether it's like, honestly, the publisher is is another option as somebody who can do this job and like sell partnerships. And they could, but I don't think they want to players. So the biggest, the biggest question that comes out of this ultimately ends up being, can you be a full-time professional Overwatch player in 2024, right? Um, there's no, probably not going to be a lot of orgs. And do we have the prize pool info? No. I don't think we do at the moment. But even if we did, even if we did, that means it's a very top-heavy kind of situation where only top players and top teams are going to be in a situation where they win enough prize money to sustain themselves. If it's like a purely, I you know, guarantee you, player. Avril, that if you're not a top player or top team, this will not be a full time job. I, I, can't I, fucking guarantee I mean, that. that I mean, that's like, that's the thing, right? So that's how so, every esport is. That is like I have a yeah. number I mean, based on the rumored prize pool. The rumored prize pool that was pitched to the owners that it was essentially this system. I believe globally, if I'm remembering properly, was close. Now, this is globally, mind you. So I don't know the breakdown. I don't know exactly how it's gonna work out, but I believe it was close to three million, three to four million dollars. Which is a big number on its face, but when you think of that, we have three. That's not that. That's really not that three much. Three regions. Yeah, it's really so not like that that's, that's sustaining. Each. That's sustaining like how many players is that sustaining? You know what is that like? Like twenty per region. So like top four teams per region are like if, somewhere in the. Yeah, unless they do the, the, the new Rocket well, League actually, model where they, the bot, the the other teams, all the teams get paid at like one hundred twenty-eight, so they everyone gets paid like twenty bucks. <laughs> So I mean, but that's my point. It's like, yeah. regardless, it's like, like it's just, nice. It's like, yeah, it's like irrelevant though. You're not, you're not yeah. paying rent. For just that. remember, just remember, like it's it's across three regions, but there's also two internationals where most of the money will go to. I can imagine most of the prize pool is for the two international events. So yeah. really, it's it's probably like a very small handful of teams, most likely from Korea that just takes the whole pot, and then everyone else. Yeah, you're, you're probably looking at like less than a hundred players making what you would call like a full time salary. As an yeah. as adults, which so it'll it'll be, to be clear, it's more than Overwatch League, and and I also think Overwatch League got. I mean, for me as like somebody who benefited hugely from Overwatch League, it was like part of like that's how I had my my whole career up to this point. Is is that it was incredibly good for the stability of like so many players having like so many players, so much of the ecosystem be able to do it as a full time job was was awesome. And as much as people, I think people shit on a lot of aspects of Overwatch League, which is like you know there are fair criticisms there, and I I can't take away from that. But it also was a massive injection of stability that from the perspective of the ecosystem, I, I do think grassroots is like the long-term future. It makes more financial sense from a business perspective. And it's more sustainable. But even the non-sustainable stuff was pretty great if you're benefiting yeah. and you're one of the <laughs> yeah. players who can do this as your job. Like that doesn't happen in a, in a grassroots world. 
not realistic and and it's probably going to go the way of pretty much all esports before and after which is that only the elite players are doing this full time everyone else is like whether the collegiate i think strikes me as like one of the best ways to pursue this that's not requiring you to earn a full-time living um like getting scholarships as a way to supplement that income um or or you're just like young and you don't need to like pay rent you're like a kid i mean that's I, how, that's how it was for a long time you know hmm. that's how i, I approach it i graduate college and i don't have a job i'm just done like i quit i need to make money <laughs> like that's i think that's just the reality of the situation i think it's definitely going to be less than 100 players because that's like 20 teams of five players right so I think there's no you i don't think you're gonna get 20 teams of full-time players and well i think it depends be because you like can kind of localize because like probably the living expenses in like korea and thailand and stuff like that are obviously lower and then theoretically yeah. if they reintegrate china because china is also missing from this board right now there's no china even though there's supposedly there's still deals going on so like who knows like um but i would imagine he's like did the maybe. deal right or like they're yeah like, they supposedly are in talks oh. again and you know you can like i think you can even backdoor your way to play <coughs> in china from like steam supposedly oh yeah but like uh you yeah. Just sure you can, career service. yeah right now you can vp in a career service as but well, yeah but the point being is that, that you know like i think they've started to <clears throat> talk about it so like who knows where china comes back into this um so like we know, ready to talk about missing regions because yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, that's my yeah. soapbox moment fellas let me set this up so if we can go can, can you show that graphic again that you had on twitter solomon uh where it basically said what countries are eligible to play um and participate here so if we take a look at this um we've got red obviously meaning um the americas region so even though i believe it's called like the north america region um south america will be able to participate in the north american region um so there's no dedicated South American kind of like region, which is going to be rough for that region. Uh, but at least the door is open. And I think the hope is with the Face It partnership is that um, I believe it's sad even in, in the blog or somewhere that like they're hoping to have more tournaments kind of catered to everyone. Right. So hopefully that includes yes. maybe some South American um, tournaments for the player base, because obviously it's a really passionate group, uh, but they get the chance to comp compete in NA. Um, you got Canada in there as well, of course. Moving on over to Europe, you got EMEA. So that features, you know, europe but also the middle east um and then when we go to asia there's not a lot of blue there <laughs> there's not a ton of blue a very small amount of blue so, yeah obviously china is missing and i believe the quote was that they're only allowing teams uh, they're, they're, they're allowing countries where like the game is operable where like overwatch 2 is you know eligible to be played uh, that was the language they used in one of the blogs um, and so obviously because there's no chinese license as of right now until a license is secured which opens the doors for China to compete again, like that unfortunately won't be part of this system. So we're yet to see really how that will work. Um, and of course, there is one big, big set of land in the bottom right. It says Australia and it's grayed out. What's that country? It's grayed out. <laughs> What's that doing uh, there? Before we even get to that, I, I feel bad for that side of the continent. But if we actually go back to the graphic, can we zoom in on the very small gray parts of the Americas because the whole ass of America's is highlighted, except for like four countries. Why? Why? <laughs> Panama, Guyana, Suriname, Suriname, and French. I don't know geopolitics. I don't. Guyana, I, I cannot explain this. Unlucky for <laughs> I those guys, no man. For you. I, just unlucky for those guys, really. It's just like. Uh, 
there's something like, yeah but i don't think you know i don't know what? if it's we're a gonna include issue per se i don't know that's just <laughs> okay. one of those things where we, we we would need much greater geopolitical yeah. knowledge to understand you know exactly. what i get it. this is why australia's not there the, the war with the emus still happening that's why australia's the at kangaroos war with animals are really they've been yeah. taking the city so we gotta wait is a little there, bit get some more stability australia versus australia wildlife it's a, it's a forever war that's why australia's not included yeah um yeah i so obviously not having china is a big deal but also makes sense we we know why there's no china um have has there i don't think we've ever really had support for india like when i think about india we've only ever had a watch world cup players representing india especially last year and that's about it i don't um, know but that's like a that's like a big region for valorant so it's like if we if we're gonna go more towards and let's be honest here guys you know the whole not that valorant uh invented the naeu asia thing but like you know what we're doing here is slightly reminiscent of that kind of a format um we're missing a couple of big pieces for sure like we need to get the game back into china asap but um there is still a decent amount of asia that is just i mean there's asia is probably has the least amount of coverage out of the three regions i mean it's got the highest concentration of skills specifically because it's got korea but in terms of like actual logistical coverage Feels like it's just got the least amount of countries. Can anyone who's not really Korean crazy. ever make it out of this region? Well, yeah, because also Let's Japan's <laughs> been popping the fuck off on the Overwatch. Like, actually, J Japan has loved Overwatch too by via the metrics. Okay. They're going crazy for it. But here's the sad thing about Japan <laughs> in relation to this: they don't have their own region and like qualifiers. They have to go through the Korea qualifiers. So they're playing. So no, 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 that's not correct. Or that's is not it, correct. I thought that's Japan's bundled in with Korea for that. No, 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 no. So there's three regions in Asia: there's Korea, Japan. And then everyone else. Oh, Australia. okay. So, that's, so Japan has their own region. They don't compete with Korea. Everyone, but they still. But the thing is, I imagine to still make it to the international events, though, they would have to win the eight, be high in the Asia major to get enough points to go to like an international event. There's though. no because there's no Asia major, but the Asia final to go to the major, which is the DreamHack stuff. Oh, um, it's yeah, like have flash shops, correct? You, okay. You, it's basically look at flash shops last oh, year and okay. it's exactly that it's basically that again okay is essentially okay. okay so they're gonna have a main event online and then they're gonna have the the one, could the be one international it might, could be might land. not be on land but either way but yeah. then they're gonna have their actual international event yeah so pretty but pretty much still there's a chance that they would still have to so they're still gonna have their own main event then japan will not have to go through a main event that but, has korea correct. and the so, rest of back okay okay I'm glad Japan's loving Overwatch. Awesome! Right now, I'm, well, that's I'm, actually really good because for honest, some reason I thought honest, they were building it. We, can we go to Tokyo? We, we, I want to go to Tokyo. Come on, give us an international yeah. land in Tokyo. Guys, well, well first, Tokyo. 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 You're gonna have to get um, some budget for broadcast first, and then we can perhaps go to Tokyo. You know, that's the first yeah. step. Yeah. Maybe if we talk to Brent, he'll help us get Master's career instead. Um, how about yeah? So <laughs> anyway, guys, Australia's dead. I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I think Australia died. I feel so, like it's such a weird, like to me, it just feels like an oversight. I, I just can't imagine we, that this is like, oh, like we're not, you just can't come from Australia or like that you're an import if okay, you're from so Australia. You, you can't you have can, a philosophy team. You can, you can play as an import. So if we actually look at the yeah. blog FAQ, which let's be honest, countries. it's not going to happen, guys. Sorry. So, maybe well, in NA. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to say this. The Japanese scene, while they may love Overwatch, the skill level needs to develop, and they need some some. You think they uh, import they Australians? Might, they might need good. some imports. Why yeah, would they good. import Australians <laughs> over just importing Koreans? 
You stopped that immediately. That is crazy. Right now, Connor, with your making, I don't like how much sense you're making, and that's no. I will say for Val, like if you take Valorant example, a lot of APAC teams in particular have imported talent from, like they they have imported people from like like you know Australia, New Zealand, or even like EMEA and stuff. So there is a market for it because especially the APAC teams, they get a little silly goofy with it in APAC occasionally. So, and so like, I think it could potentially happen. It could happen. Anyway, we, we, can we go to the graphic? Because I want to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. Where if you look at the countries eligible for, I'm not like, if you're an audio listener, I'm not going to read them all out. There's like a, a ton of countries that are eligible. <laughs> sure, a lot of countries. <laughs> so there's a lot of countries that don't. So what I'm basically saying is if when you look at the way America's work, Despite it being Americas, South America can still compete in, sorry, in North America. South America can still compete in North America as a full team of South American players having to play on NA servers or whatever it is, but at least they get to compete in North America without taking up an import slot. They do not count as imports as far as looking at um, North America. For those that are cons can, uh, want some clarification on what I mean by like even imports here, there is region locking confirmed for the teams. And the eligibility is you have to have three domestic players on your starting, on your on your active lineup that's playing in game. So at any time, you can only have a maximum of two non-domestic players or imports playing in the server at any given time. So um, on this list of countries for Asia, Pacific especially, there's no Australia, no New Zealand, who previously had their own contenders region. Curiously, Australia and New Zealand were also not included in Flash Ops last year for asia and they weren't allowed to play in na so you talk i talked to guys like kuffa is like yeah i wasn't allowed to play in na and also they didn't give us eligibility for asia so we just got completely cut out what the fuck is going on out. over there um and so now as far as i'm aware given that they are not on the list the only way an anz player could play is via an import slot and as connor said unfortunately as an import it's like why would you ever take an australian import player over a korean import player but I, but in APAC, I think there's a market for them. I will say, like, if they if they get it popping, if they're getting it popping over there, the fairy bread's going crazy. Like, I think there's a chance that like they could, they could. Uh, you guys don't know fairy bread? I know Avril knows fairy bread. He knows fairy bread. Yeah, yeah. I don't eat it, but yeah, yeah, he knows it. But like, it's a it's a delicacy. It's a it's a delicacy in OC. But oh. they, I think overall that like there is oh, a bread. chance still. But I do find it. I I agree with the assessment of like why is Australia and New Zealand getting so hard boned like i guess i don't I, understand it just yeah. seems so getting weird hard fucked. I, I, absolutely I hard it fucked should be reason. like a sana thing where it's like okay yeah you might have to play on a shit server which australians are used to yeah. um but at least they're like not you can have a full aussie team play in the in the apac qualifier whatever like that that to me makes so much sense i i just struggle to understand why it's not that way and so i mean honestly i think that'd be a good thing for the fans to like ask for clarification on because i think if there's a big outcry then they might respond to that and, and give us more information now, or, or or rectify the situation ideally yeah is it players so bailey is written ANZ players will be eligible to participate in owcs under non-residency rules we work on efg support to additional programming to regions not directly supported uh, by dedicated owcs region we're not able to share more yet so there could be more support but um it, it's it's as Jake said, it's curious as to why they just weren't added in. Like, is there some sort of legal boundary there? Is there some other? Well, the ping is not that bad, right? right? Let's say, let's say the ping, the ping between Australia and like APAC and Japan's not that terrible. Correct? It's not. 
and then additionally scrim korea all the is time it, scrim it, korea and, and correct me if i'm wrong avril is like the time zones very similar too yeah extremely similar so in the that case because those the are the two most common the logistical errors if i was a to right is like ping steel so high is getting disrupted problem? or the time zones are so bad it's really hard to have admins available to work it right but like that those those are defeated so i really don't know nope. I have oh, no idea what's going it's, on with that. It's, it's like, it is, I don't know if there's a like a particular legal thing. It was like, we just can't have Australian Zoom players under Pacific for some reason. Even mm -hmm. though ping-wise, it's fine. Like, I can promise you every Australian player would, would not mind the ping. My they'll, third... They, not, anyone they'll, they'll, they'll anyone who gets to a certain rank in Australia just has to start leave. playing another server. <laughs> exactly. They don't care about the ping. They don't care about the ping. Yeah, Time zone's not an issue. Um, it could be a partner thing. I can't because, like, I've I speculated this before. Mm. We're in the pre-show before we were live. Was like, if they have certain partners pitching in to like help fund production or run tournaments, the partners could be like geo-locking and be like, we won't like we only want to support spend our money when it targets players in these regions, not these regions. Don't know if that's the case. Have no idea, but that's just another potential explanation because mm. that yeah. has happened in the past. But I really, I I mean, it's still odd. It's definitely odd. That's probably the most likely reasoning, but it's just like, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how they chose the regions in, in that sort of case where Australia slash New Zealand ANZ as a region has been heavily supported in the past, has had a contenders program that outlasted, you know, South America, a whole last continent, by the way. Um, and then now is when they Isn't decided- is Australia also so a whole last continent? That's true. That is yeah. entirely. I mean, you know, uh, you've just been owned by geography. You, today, I don't know what it is, but you, you <laughs> now, now, you and Connor, you're making too much sense. Okay, you're making too much damn sense on this podcast. Fucking hell. It's a, it's a huge loss. It's a huge loss to not have the oceanic regions uh, featured uh, in the Overwatch Champion series. I'm actively practicing how to say it on the podcast live. Um, so I, I, I think we can all hope that like it returns in some form. It's obviously been a region that uh, you know has contributed with lots of entertaining play throughout the years, even in the World Cup, right? Like tons of really good Australians, oh, yeah. Made playing a top pace in the World Cup, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and a lot of exciting players made it to the Overwatch League, yeah. even from mm -hmm. Australia. So I mm -hmm. think the region, compared to a lot of other regions, had much better talent development and, and like better potential. Something to be and somehow, about. somehow, even more of them made it to the broadcast. True. Yeah. <laughs> True. But that's Mitch. because you have Commonwealth accent Kelsa. buffs. Commonwealth accent buffs. Uh, Unfortunately, true, true, true. when we deal with the Commonwealth and like you in the U the post UK diaspora, there, you know, like that's just an accent differential. And everyone else, us Americans, we have to fight against that every day. That's one of the things that Americans have to fight against every day is the accent. It's one of the hardest. It's I, really I would say, I would say it's really hard. I, would say it's really I can't hard go to a also day without my wife making me sound like I'm the Swedish chef, like I'm some Muppet. And you guys are complaining. Well, that's that on you. That's on you, buddy. I don't know. That that one's your choice. That one, you're, you're in that one yourself. That's not. I am actively right. trying to, to work on my, I, I got to go to like a voice teacher and shit. Till like, I get my accent sorted, ah, oh, dude, uh, I, I've been, it's been, I've been. Oh, just, if you want to, if you want to keep working in broadcast, you got to keep that accent alive, buddy. That's that's the differentiator. That accent's got to stay, okay? That the <laughs> accent's got to stay. You can improve like your vocab, but the accent that's got to stay. That has. I promise you, you spend you spend six months in Texas with a cowboy hat, it'll change. All it'll right, change, yeah. Buddy. Come come to Tejas. We're gonna help you out. 
Okay, all people that, I mean, this is just not, I mean, actually, Jake has lived in Texas, so I can't even criticize that much, but that is, you lived in Houston. No one's talking like that in Houston and Dallas. No, 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 no. <laughs> all right, I, I want to go, I want to move forward. I want to move forward to, oh, uh, yeah, we got, we got Matt and, and, and Joe John? Spector in the chat. Um, watching uh, the biggest show. We got, we got a thousand viewers today. It's a big episode. People are popping off. We got 154 likes. It's a good episode. People are excited. Um, but I want to hit on something that we didn't really, um, we just like skimmed over previously when we discussed uh, the regions, of course. And that was region locking, which is a new feature of this system, as it said in the blog post, uh, a max of two, uh, what is the official term, non-residential maximum of two non-resident players per team. So in the North American region, there, there isn't going to be like a ton of Korean players. Like, I don't know how many Korean players we had in the Overwatch League um, last year when it came to it the North like American team. It was like 70% teams, you know. of the league. Yeah, it was massive, Korean, right? You know, you just so, go down the line. At least like Boston 60, Uprising, at least 60. Um, Houston, Outlike, uh, Houston Outlaws, like all these teams, right? They were just um, filled with Korean players. Um, so this is the first time that I think we're really dealing with region lock. Um, and it's been a huge topic in the offseason even. We, I mean, there were some conversations on GG Recon, for example. Yiska had a video about it, right? Um, and so now we're getting into this new uncharted territory for Overwatch Esports where there will be region locking uh, put in place. How do you guys think this will affect um, the, the system as a whole here? I mean, the Korean, the Korean region is going to be absolutely packed. I mean, there's going to be so much talent there. Um, but do you think that... Dude, I mean, we have so many things to talk about here. There's going to be the topic of I like start. Uh, the top players. Will they move to like popular orgs in different regions, right? How will we see this happen? I haven't followed League of Legends and stuff like that too much. So I don't know how it usually breaks down. Uh, but yeah, Avril, you obviously have thoughts on this. This is a huge, so, massive move that so, we need um, to kind of like talk about. So the, the, the major difference there is like, well, there's, there's an LCS and there's orgs in League of Legends. Who and the role of the orgs is to help get the players over. They can get the visas and stuff. Uh, with no Overwatch League, it's going to be incredibly hard to get visas. There's no orgs, so no one's paying for that. I don't think anyone's going to be able to afford to get Korean imports over to say NA or EU, and the ping is not going to be good enough to play. Like I don't know what the experience was for guys like Knife and the the Korean Vegas players, but it was not good. Like, I know for the Shock guys playing the pro am, they well they had didn't a really win. Rough time so with the ping. you know. Um, Exactly. The the Vegas Korean guys did not win. Knife still looked decent. They did not win. Shock looked ass in the pro M as well. So playing from Korea on ping to NA, I think it's pretty ass. Like it's not it's not really that viable. Like you know they it's like two hundred plus MS. I mean you used to literally have teams in containers NA where a full Korean team might join up when they were allowed to, and they called their team two hundred MS. Muse was on that team. Um, they didn't win. They got I'm pretty sure they got ass blasted because the ping is just too rough, dude. To ping to EU from Korea, also pretty rough. So I don't think you're going to see too much cross-region imports. You're going to see maybe like within the, like an intra-regional import kind of stuff. So when we talk about Asia, a Japanese team might be three Japanese players with two Korean imports. Same with the Thai team, a Filipino team, whatever. Because as you said, there's going to be a ton of Korean players. All the top Korean players that have had our experience who are not retired who still want to play are going to be in the main four Korean five-man, six-man rosters, whatever. And then the rest of the fledgling Korean players that would still like to make it but can't get past a veteran old guard, they're going to end up being import slots on the other Pacific teams around and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I think it's going to be very rare for an NA or an EU team to have a Korean player. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I agree. I don't think we're going to see much imports. It needs a huge need. A, there's a huge level of like logistical and financial support you need to even make imports happen. I think it's probably going to be like 
players below the top um, teams who are like, like in Korea. So let's say there's like however many teams are going to qualify out of the Korean qualifiers. If you're a player who's like not going to be on one of those teams, you're like not elite elite enough, you might play on like high ping to another region, to be honest, because I think some of those players, the, I think that ping is like sort of doable if you're like 150 to 200 ping on Europe or um, or or NA. I think honestly, like some players will play on that. Um, to, but but I agree, like visa stuff seems really unlikely. And I also think NA in particular has generated so much up and coming talent that there really isn't going to be like a, so much demand to like fill out these rosters. I think there's a lot of, you know, what existing like, you know, NA Overwatch League players and also a lot of players um, who, who are just like kind of finally turning 17 or whatever in the region and, and eligible to play. And I think there's actually a lot of skill there, more than most people might realize. I think it's purely logistical. I mean, I agree with Jake's point, but I just think that, like, literally, you would have to be a criminally insane person to be paying visas in the current state of Overwatch esports. Like, you would have to yeah. be like, you. Would I have think to it have will be high ping if you're gonna if you're gonna have him. Yeah, but I, I don't even think I don't even think because what's I because Avril's point with the intra with like the intra regional imports like I don't even see why you even bother going to if you're a Korean player like you could find a team in APAC right 100% or Japan like I just don't even think there's like a reason necessarily to like put yourself no I think you'd, you'd play on an NA or, or, or EMEA team because you know you won't qualify in Korea like if you know like if you if I don't I don't know how many teams are qualifying out of like Korea or whatever but if let's say there's you know whatever it is if it's like 10 teams if you're on like team 12 you might be good enough to still qualify on ping in Europe or NA but you might, that might actually make sense. But don't they like, still have if like you're the more separate, likely to make it to the international thing, uh, then you'd do it. Main events for, like we said, for APAC and Japan. And then there's, it's Korea, APAC, Japan. Like there's three events. So couldn't they just theoretically, if they're top 12 in Korea, they'd go play for a top four team in Japan. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, 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 that's I think what so I, too. I, Jake, I, is, Jake is talking about, Jake is talking about making it out from Asia, the whole, yeah, the whole yeah. Asia into yeah. the major. As into, an, into, as into but I'm sure there has to be enough. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, the point's good. Yes. I'm it's not going to be 10 teams, right. by the way. It's going to be like, if, it's going to be like three teams, maybe. Top That's what I mean. I think there will be a lot of highly skilled players who aren't going to be able to qualify yeah. out of the region. I also wonder how this works. Like, if you're not an import in Japan, can you just take your full Korean team and like, we're going to play in Japan. So there's basically like, they're all Korean qualifiers. I, I don't know how that's going to work, right? Like, you have to all live there. I, I don't know. Like. Like, are you considered an import if you're a Korean player playing for a Japanese team? Or are you, no, is it like... I think it's specified by residency, but I don't know how residency yeah, is that's an interesting. that's an interesting point. Because, like, if they have, like, a headquarters in Japan, or they all lived in Japan, but they're Korean players, and they're playing in the Korea qualifiers. You would need know. visas for that, right? If you just Probably, to, I mean, right? You but I, just, like, I, I would imagine if you, money, could, right? if you Without. could be... If you could make... If you're a citizen of that region, and you are able to compete there, I don't know why they would... Because Apex unique that citizen, it has this, obviously. right? Yeah. Apex is the only region that has these like mini regions, basically. Well, no, yeah, because correct. North America technically is well. I guess that's true. We don't have mini regions, but don't but, like we, we South, American South American players right? will just play in the NA. Yeah, qualifiers. that's true. Like, yeah, there we, don't have, no yeah we don't have no differentiation. Yeah. yeah. And you will run your five South Korean team. Like no, everyone's Brazilian. You'll play in uh, like North an American. NA qualifier. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no there's no separation between North America and South America for Americas. It's all just one region. Yeah. But but with Korea, with Japan, and like rest of, of APAC is, 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 is separated. Yeah. And so correct. I'm, correct. I'm wondering how the import regions. rules work there. Because if you can, if it's like, oh, you can have two Korean import players in for Japanese teams and for rest of APAC teams, then probably every single team is going to have two Korean players. Like. Mm -hmm. 
beyond but it will be i do think like the most elite korean teams will for sure like the very best players in korea are going to be in korean qualifiers and trying to qualify yeah like yes yeah for sure and those will historically speaking probably be the best teams but that's still good i think is having the korean player the sort of like diffusion because i think we've seen it in like other scenes in particular like valorant where like korean players go to a lot of these other apac and japan regional teams they've actually kind of trained them up very significantly to where they start producing a lot more homegrown talent and yeah um and that's the benefit of region lock i think it's like when you put some player tariffs essentially and say like okay like we a little bit of protection yeah a little protectionism is, is nice because essentially you get the benefits of playing with better players and you prevent teams from just being like fuck it we're just gonna import five koreans like you actually have to invest somewhat in getting local talent um which i think is like that is the benefit of the region lock system, which I think is great. I I have been a big proponent. I think I don't know if all, I'm assuming all everyone here has been a big proponent of regionalization for a while, in terms of like helping yep. Yep. train up local talent because it just works. You know, that's what people want. They want to see re- regional talent get good and be up there. And there's nothing wrong with imports. It's just realistically, it's just not. You know, it, it's just I think for esports in particular, people want to see talent from their region playing. You know, to some extent. Fabrol, I'm going to ask you a straight up questionnaire. Are we moving into uh, a landscape where, similar to League of Legends, every time at Worlds, it'll just be the Koreans dominating? Or I guess China in League of Legends too. Yeah. We're, we're, we're rooting um, to get out of the group stage at this point for North America and Europe. Look, it's, look, it's looking like a Twisted Minds versus Hamster final, guys. No, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be very curious about EMEA, actually. but Because um, I, I think the fact that Saudi, aka Twisted Minds, won the World Cup is pretty insane. But you could say it was meta. But the, I think there's some untapped talent out there. It, the favorites will likely all be the top Korean teams with like the full five, six Korean rosters. They're super teams. Like if you get a team like Hamster, they're just going to be straight up favorites to win everything right. So um, yeah, it's it, I in the long run, in the far distance of Overwatch esports, if we can you know continue to make it that far, uh, it's beneficial for NA, EU, and Japan and everywhere else to have region locking so they can build up their talent. So that it doesn't, you just don't get crushed by like Korean imports everywhere, because that was one of the downsides of the Overwatch League and having just no restrictions whatsoever. Is that like it's just very hard to develop your local domestic talent? It's uh, and maybe. I think there's a complication to the story there, though, which for me is that like, like look at NA. I think maybe take Korea out of the equation for a moment, but the rest of the world, who's got the best? up and coming talent it is na it's not even close like in terms of like how many players who are like not overwatch league players or who are too young how many of them are like of relevant skill for elite competition that is like a very small number in europe like i there's like very few there, there are some but it's it's like much less. i think na is like really rife with that talent i don't know about korea i'm sure it is too actually you just got ignored for six years but, so it's but yeah but that's my point is like having overwatch league be so na focused and bringing in so many insanely talented players made na ranked a a crucible of like building actually good competitive players if your region ranked is this like not competitive that doesn't really hurt people who are scrimming because they're like whatever we just scrim and we get better there but it absolutely hurts like your up and coming players who are like 14 and like they're just getting good at the game. Like those players are the ones who really benefit for, from there being this like super intense focus of talent in the region, making the ranks super competitive. And then like they they grow up in that environment where it's like, oh, that's their ranked experience is playing against fucking like elite best in the world, uh, Korean Overwatch League players. That's in their rank game. And you have to like 
play against players like that and you have to learn from them and you, you can improve from them. Like that is so powerful for your future improvement, having the region be more competitive. And so I think I'm like, I think it'll be really like, it'll say a lot about what's going on in the regions as we see some of the teams coming out of them. Um, and another factor I think that, that the region locking kind of creates and especially the grassroots system that is going to be almost certainly whether or not there's like orgs giving salaries, almost certainly going to be more price pool focused than Overwatch League was, where it was like very salary focused. It definitely um, further incentivizes super teams. I think like what this type of system is going to create is like, ideally, if you're like, some regions are so many insane players that like, okay, you can't say who's like best in role. There's just like a lot of players who are really, really good at that role. Um, or at least like, let's say five or something for every role who are like considered elite. Um, but ideally you're making the best possible team from your region when it comes to winning prize pool. Like there, whereas with salary, it's like, okay, we want this one of the same player. We're going to pay him a high salary. We can't afford all five players to be at that like top three in their role level. Like we'll maybe have a few of them who are at that level, but then some of them will be getting some rookies and things like that. Now it's like, if you are those elite players, you're incentivized to come together and to make the most ridiculous stack team humanly possible. So like in Korea, like we saw that in some of these uh, tournaments where it's like, holy shit, this team is stacked. Like they have like, you know, so many players who in Overwatch League would be making like 250K. And we, that's our whole fucking roster is people who are at that level. And I think that that's, I think that that will have continue to happen. I think like when it comes to, it's all about winning prize pool, you just make the most stacked team possible rather than having to divide the resources based on like the org's ability to offer salary. Well, as Avas knows firsthand, uh, putting together the most stacked North American roster doesn't always go well uh, in international competition. So hopefully, if this uh, is the scene moving forward, there'll be some initial incentive for people to actually communicate and use voice chat in ranked uh, to improve the region as a whole. That'd be very much welcomed, uh, especially in top 500. But if not for top 500, I think we should transition into the face it part of things. So from mm. all the blogs, uh, it really does seem like face it will be the central kind of core aspect when it comes to um, <coughs> doing all these tournaments and, and making them possible. This will be the official partner for Overwatch 2 this year. Um, and what is noteworthy in these blogs as well is that there are quotes like in North America and EMEA, face it will be the premier platform for all things Overwatch Esports in 2024. Users of all ranks will be able to compete in tournaments on Faceit. In the coming weeks, Faceit will announce more about their programs, activities, and competitions. So not only did we talk about opening up the Overwatch ecosystem earlier for professional players, I mean, qualifiers, such like that, users of all ranks. Now, I don't know if that strictly relates to those open qualifiers, that you can be whoever you want to compete in the open qualifiers, or that will be competing tournaments. Like, I, I don't know what that really means. There does seem to be like this Faceit system hopefully will have some similarities to how it works in in, in cs2 for example uh, and maybe opens the door for more professional tournaments uh, open for everybody in all ranks if this wording it, maybe i'm reading way too much into it but i think that would be kind of like the dream goal right when it comes to face it here who, who here has used face it before just curious i used I it in not. like 2015 before Overwatch came I out i have played esca yeah. esca is not but face it, it but it is like functionally a similar Back product in Bitcoin that it's like a third Whoa, okay <laughs> am i going crazy jake in 2017 when face it was still running some stuff did we use face it or did they just host that tournament we played it did we actually use i think they just hosted a tournament okay, i don't think yeah. we ever had to install the face it ac and it's not i mean 
face it running a tournament for me is like that's cool great another tournament i love tournaments like that's a positive thing i think what is more exciting to me about face it is the possibility of stuff like ladders and alternatives to rank basically something fpl personally yeah fpl so you look at look at counter-strike and basically like if you're a counter-strike pro like they do not play online ranked like normal ranked they just like, don't do that it's considered like a joke basically because because face it pro league exists um, and and like a face it ladder, a face it ladder going up to pro league. So i.e. if you're like a lower skill player in Counter Strike, I'm not good at Counter Strike, but I theoretically could play like the lowest levels of face it and have a place to start where it's like number one, it's like a much more severe anti cheat. Um, there's like a lot more verification to be able to play, so you can't just like make new accounts. So smurfing is like not only I think it's like bannable and extremely discouraged. You're like paying money, so people don't want to and you're winning money by having your account be like high rank so it's like you really a lot of incentives against smurfing um a lot of incentives against um cheating or not incentives but like like they'll catch you cheating most or much harder to cheat it's still doable but but harder than than without it and and also like that you're there's like a, a level of teamwork and commitment that i think is expected where everyone if you're getting in a game and like you're in face it pro league and everyone's here playing for money you better believe people are going to be in voice chat if there's like a reason to care the problem in ranked is like there is no reason to care. If you're like a high level player, you're like, who cares? I'm like top 20. If you're like really grinding for rank one, maybe you're getting in voice and trying to calm. But like for a lot of pro players are like, whatever, I'm just like playing to practice. Why? There's no real reason for you to like invest in any one game and like particularly care, especially when that's not the norm. But having something like FPL, hopefully for Overwatch means that like there's a place to play truly competitive Overwatch that ideally is accessible for a lot of people, not just pro players, but there's like, I think that's what a lot of people miss about Overwatch. I think a lot of people talk about 6v6, but I think what people really miss is just playing with everyone in voice, being super coordinated, everybody tryharding together and being on the same page, which is something that existed when Overwatch came out because people were so hype and everyone wanted to like try hard and is, is kind of gone by the wayside now, which is just an older game. Mm, I, I don't know. I'm mixed on FPL myself personally. And not because the reasons aren't good. It's just there's essentially two schools of thought. And it's like the riot school of thought of like, we don't want third. We don't want stuff outside of our ecosystem, essentially outside of what's controlled by us, which is what Blizzard Twitter did with Overwatch, right? With our rank systems. Like, mm -hmm. we won't let FPL, like, run it pretty much. Like that, because it's been a conversation we've been having since forever ago about, like, running this. And it always got met with a brick wall of, like, okay, you can run pugs, but we don't want to have a separate client integrated and like where we're running tournaments off our ranked client you know or off so you client. have to do it yourself you can't have yes. like a computer program that helps yes. you do this that makes it competitive with so basically they they like hamstrung it so it never succeeded yeah but and also i think you're competing with clicking a button to play it's very hard to compete with that yes exactly but also it's not even just that and you too. can't offer money i mean there's a bunch of reasons yeah no, that's you that, yeah you're hitting you the nail on the head there's, and also i think the problem with in making larger vertical marketing and like integration as opposed to like valorant right where like valorant is committed to like Everything is still Riot ecosystems. So like everything's in their ecosystems. Like, well, because everything's in their ecosystem, we can release our in-game models and like advertise our events and like you're all in the client and everything's there. So there are some like negative externalities, I think, to like putting stuff on FPL. And, I, you know, I think, and even Riot's had the thing where it's like for League of Legends specifically, they made their champions queue, which was like, if you're really, really high ELO, this is a separate queue where you can pay, play and you have to, you should care because this is for like the pro players and the best ranked players. And consistently, the data has shown that, like, they don't play it. Pro players don't play it. High-ranked players don't play Champions Q. No one fucking plays the Champions Q. 
And so, and that's a separate cultural issue, I think, where it's like, yes, they've created a system where you can play, you can play in care, but this, the culture of the game is like, you don't play a separate queue, you just play ranked, right? Um, and I think that's an issue with Overwatch. Is like they, say, they don't give you any money for winning. The you get like I think in the past you could get like a jacket or maybe that might be for separate. Like you get like a sick ass. Yeah, leather I think jacket, that was like, for like just. I think that was for rank. That was that for might just, yeah like, exactly. But like you know the point being is that like they've shown rank. consistently they don't the high level players don't play Champions Queue, which they built for people to care and like high level people to play. And I think that like I'm worried about that for Overwatch. It's like we just even regardless of like the vertical integration of the game, the culture of the game is like. It's like the same thing when people were running pugs, right? Back when Overwatch League first started. It's like, everyone, I want better ranked. Okay, let's do pugs. And everyone's like, ah, shit. Like, this is a lot of work. I really don't care that much. And everyone stopped, you know? like. Well, exactly. But that's the point is like, in the end, pugs are unrealistic because you're yeah. asking people to do this like huge lift of work to make the experience 20% better for everybody. And it's like, there's no compensation for that work. Other, like, it, like it's never going to be, you can't collectivize it. That you, you, you're literally collectivizing it by doing it via something like Face It. It's like, yeah, we're all going to pay money for somebody else to do this. That's actually what people want is like a service. Like pro players do not want to be like, I'm going to logistically try to solve all these like complex challenges to make a place for people to play the game. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I want to play the game and get better. Well, that's why I point the champions to you though, because Riot built, did they did it. Riot did make that for them and they, the player said, no, we're not going to so use it. So why did it not do so? Why did it not Because it's just not part of the culture. They're like, why would I play champions queue when I go play ranked and like, if I stream, more people are going to watch me playing this and playing champions queue. Well, the problem is no one's queuing up because it's not part of the routine. It's a routine thing. Garbage. It's just a cultural, it's just a cultural thing, you know, like CS, the culture I, I think there. that won't be the case in, in overall. I think this is an opportunity to change the culture because I think, I don't know, maybe it's maybe the people in league, like they love rank so much. I feel like Overwatch. I don't think they love rank. I just think it's a culture thing. I just think there's just not in their brain. You know, every day you wake up and you're like, I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to eat my breakfast. I'm going to do this. When you wake up, you get another game. It's like, oh, I'm going to Champions Wait, no, I'm not. I'm fucking playing ranked in League of Legends, right? It's just, I'm just saying it's like the built-in things. I think if there is like money to be won, like the way it is in FPL and face it ladders and other games, I think that's like a massive difference between that and something like Champions Q where it's like, Champions queue might be like, yeah, I can have like a triple length queue to try hard for nothing. Mm-hmm. So you think it's an incentive thing? It's mostly. a different queue. Yeah, I think you need incentives. Like, like that's I, I'm a big believer in incentives. Like that's human nature. We need you need to you know water flows downhill. You, it has to be easy. It has to be so. Like if the champions queue is like ten times as long, people aren't going to play it. You know, yeah. but I champions think having, queue don't have money. It, they, they, <laughs> it's not really. Price? It's not like I don't think you can win prizes in like money the same way that you can fpl you know in the same way like and there are leaderboards and stuff like that but i believe there are incentives for champions queue like but it's like more in-game incentives i don't think you get paid like money directly as far as i'm aware might be wrong league heads let me know you're all like 34 and working remotely so i know you have time so let me know league of legends fans like what's going on with that but i'm pretty sure he's that's checking right now he's <laughs> googling, it. googling it he's fired up the google so obviously we're talking about the FPL as one part of face it here, but there is yeah. also the other part where this could be more tournaments, you know, maybe there's, and again, we're just completely speculating here because there is no official information um, on what the actual face activities will be um, outside of the Overwatch Champion series uh, being hosted there, right? But well, the hope would be that it would be like, Tuesday tournaments and like you, if you're just plat could check in and like maybe face it cross checks your rank that you're a plat player or something and you can get like plat only tournaments stuff like that like that would be the dream goal right and maybe maybe there wouldn't be enough players i don't know but 
I would be very excited about the prospect of even trying it, even trying to see if there is any interest to begin with. Um, because if you were able to fill your days with more organized play and a more official way to play the game, rather than just queuing into ranked and you don't know what kind of lobbies you'll no. get, maybe you'll get some one tricks in your team and you'll have a terrible experience. This would at least maybe offer players of all ranks to have a more competitive kind of atmosphere to it. I can, and I can, um, go ahead. I can, um, before I say anything about FPL, I just want to talk about what Johnny said as well in terms of what I really think the face integration is, is for tournament. Uh, so right now, like I see face it as it is another like tier one, tier two replacement where when you look at the, the funnel into how we progress through the system, you know, you look at how the qualifiers are done. I think all the qualifiers are going to be playing on face it, right? Like that makes the most sense. Um, you need a tournament platform. This is something that probably replaces like the battle fires that we used to use for open div and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a way for the regular player of any rank to be able to easily get into their matches, easily find opponents. And if they want to get organized, easily get scrims as well. Like basic and organize all these things for players and just kind of automate things um, at that level, which is super important at the grassroots to allow people to be able to have an easier time getting into tournaments, getting into scrims, and getting into teams. That's pretty huge. Um, if we actually look at something, I've, I saw something very interesting. Um, in the Face It FAQ, the bottom of the blog, in the second tab, it says, how will Face It be used in relation to Overwatch? Actually, uh, even below that, the third tab, who is eligible for the Face It platform? I'll get Solomon to bring this up because it's, it's very important. Would you like to highlight... And Australia and New Zealand are eligible to participate <laughs> in face of play. We won. We fucking won, fellas. You okay? Start. Yeah. We 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 Australia and New Zealand might have been completely shot dead in the backyard for OWCS, but they're allowed to play face it. Here we go. We we won. We back. Um, is that Matt? Is that Matt? I just gotta say, I just gotta say. Bro, this guy, Jake, looks like he hasn't slept since fucking Owl ended. My guy's eyes are just so... Like, I woke up so early bro, today. I've been, right, I've been on a D-Gen schedule. I've been on a D-Gen schedule, man. It's oh been my bad. God. I've been waking up at noon. Matt, you're looking Johnny. really good. I like you. You're looking good in your camera. I like, I like yeah. that. You're looking really you know, good there. See, I'd, look, I'd like... look better if we just took a still, still image from the Overwatch <laughs> League and put me over. Also, Matt's, I mean, Matt's one to talk, bro. At any moment, I'm like, what? he's looking like you've just been roused from your slumber at any moment when I see you, like, doing some stuff out there. Jake, he's you know putting himself together he, every day. You're talking shit, bro. bro you're, you're talking shit to Jake. You, bro, you're just coming no, in here and stirring just, up shit. That's right. I'm actually just, just standing up for his boy. I can't believe this, Sir Matthew Morello. It doesn't show up. I was watching and I was like, man. I was like, I just can't get over this. I was like, Jake looks like he hasn't slept. Johnny looks like, you know, he's working part-time in like a, like a real estate agent. Hey, I might have to, man. <laughs> I might have to. <laughs> he does. He does have the real estate agent look. I'm not going to I just wanted to look nice for the good episode, all right? I'm sorry. I'm going to put my best streams, This guy streams games in a button-down. Think about that. No, Matt's just gaslighting you into trying to get everyone. Yeah, no, he's actually he right. He's actually right. I had a moment. I had a moment last year. When the whole Jaws thing went down with like, hey, check out the drip today, whatever the comments. I BP. love that. And like he just <laughs> wore like so a black t-shirt or whatever. And I actually said, no, no, Jaws, I am going to sag against your black t-shirt behavior on broadcast. And I went full Rocket League and I was like, I'm going to wear dress, dress button downs or whatever on, on the on well, stream Well, we stole instead, their studio. So. You might as well steal their dress code too. 
So you might true, as well have true, both. True. Might as well but both I just things. wanted to come in and talk some shit and say hello. But now I'm gonna go. I think you guys are right, doing. Uh, are you? Sh- I, I think you guys are doing pretty average for uh, an episode. So pretty you know, average. I, I suggested. I suggest. I when we planned this episode, I suggested Matt should come on, and now he's now he's gone. Fucking so, this fucking guy. You know dude. what? So, I, I, I'm gonna mention this. Solomon though. Solomon did the funniest thing where he put Matt on the screen. But he crushed his picture to make him even shorter. That was a real dirty of you, Solomon. I'm not gonna lie about was, that. That was, that, was, that was, but it was very funny. Johnny, you streaming a button down? Yeah, sometimes. That's you can go to you can go check out the stream yeah, on Twitch.tv slash reinforce. And also, I'm live streaming on YouTube at the same time. It's multi-stream, oh. so you can check my channel out on well, Twitch. You know what? I can't wait YouTube. to see you at the club later, Johnny. Club Monaco, that is. Me, we're gonna be at the club. We're gonna be Club Monaco, both of us in there. That's gonna be nice. Yeah. Do you have a Soho House membership? I'll see you there. Soho House. I don't even know what the fuck that is. All right. Yo, take me to Soho House, bro. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, buddy. You got a membership? Let's go. Let's go. Let's, Let's go, go, buddy. Oh, I'm just messing around. Um, I don't know. Um, I was going to ask uh, Matt if there was something we missed here, uh, but I feel like we covered most of it. That's why I um, thought he was going to come in. He's going to come in to give some clarification. He's going to come in and be like, actually, you know what? We made a mistake on the blog. Australian New Zealand are not eligible well, for basic that, that would be mistake. funny. That I would mean, be that, literally They did clarify, by the way, <laughs> the uh, Pizza so Penguin, aka Bailey, the lead for Overwatch Esports, did clarify on Twitter, though, that the, that they are red, <laughs> that the Australian players are, which I can't remember if we went over already, but they are for sure able to play um, via the non, like the import rules, essentially. So, like, they could count as non-residents, for sure. Um, but they are not allowed, they still won't count as residents of the Asia region. But they can work as... Um, non-residents, so imports. imports. Yeah. So they can be imports. They can right? be imports. Okay, yeah. So yes. That, that is good confirmation. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll just quickly end the this. Well, I don't know if anyone else wanted to comment. I got FBL, one more thing to say about Facebook. My, but you right. Go, I'll, you I'll, go. I'll finish real quick. Then my the, my only thing about FPL here is that everything Jake said is really good, and I actually I agree with all of it. It sounds really good. The issue I have on the Blizzard side is that history. I don't know if Team Four has changed, but historically Team Four have been super like riot in many cases resistant against that kind of thing because they don't want to invite a competitor to their own ranked system against them it's like you're going to allow someone to monetize their own ranked when you have a ranked system and it's going to like take away your place from your ranked system um most game developers or publishers are like super against that like i think valve just don't give a shit because valve just they just do their own thing they don't, like just don't care but you know if riot even doing champions queue was a bit of a surprise thing but obviously they would want to do it themselves they're not going to invite face to come do champions queue for them if riot are going to if they're going to do something like that for the pros they have to do it in-house so i still don't know if fpl will ever be a reality for overwatch just because i historically again blizzard are not very <laughs> honestly if i was blizzard right now wouldn't i just be like please take it away from us just like pros and everything they're so upset with top 500 and the no, system because they- like just they, take it away from us. To, they're they're about to relaunch rank in season nine. Like mm, Blizzard are really they're really trying to hard to like. You have to imagine that also the devs like, like there are they're still craftspeople. Like they're making a product that they're proud of. And like when you essentially say like yeah fuck your product we want to do it differently. Like certain places like Valve I think they're such a flat like open system that like they don't really mind that at all. But other places yeah. is like you should imagine it like a seventy-five-year-old blind Japanese swordsman. If you came up to him one day and be like, "Okay, actually, we're all of your swords. That shit, we're making that in-house at the Samsung factory now. Like, that's not happening anymore. Like, you're done." He'd be like, "What the fuck? Like, like that's essentially what Blizzard is. The they're craftspeople. You know, they make a product that they're proud of, and they want, and they also want to own the metrics for it." So, and by the way, and, and by the way, is I'm pretty sure like Face It have tried to come in before and they got shut down. Like in terms of. Wanting to do an FPL thing, like I, I can't, I don't know if you guys can corroborate the rumors, but like 
I have heard in the past that Facebook were like interested in doing FPL for Overwatch. It was like in 2018. I know I asked I for it like a thousand times in the first like two years of Overwatch League, even before Overwatch League. Like it was, I was clamoring for it. I think, I think we a had a meeting with it in 2018. There was like, that's when like in season one, there was like potential, but then like it was immediately shut down because they were like, we don't want to lose control of our they, system, essentially. They even, they even shut, remember, they shut down pro pugs in like 2018 because they didn't want it to compete with ranked they were like you guys should just play ranked why are you doing pugs you just play ranked right they shut they even shut down pugs yeah so it's again, it's maybe it's just all maybe maybe team four has changed maybe they well have i mean it, they have it's not all the same the history people, to be fair i, I, I know I think but team four has, has changed yeah but has the philosophy i, I want has to the philosophy so changed, though, i'm you know? so biased i want to believe so i bad i think it has i think we've shipped i think they are a lot more open-minded yeah okay like we've replaced enough i genuinely think that i don't see the team the same way i used to see that for a while i literally got mega burned out from giving feedback i was like you know what they don't care i'm done giving feedback i'm done being a part of all this shit because no one no one cares and I understand why, because like a lot of pros are like insanely poor communicators and are like bring up the Rhino rant. Bring up the Rhino rant. <laughs> bring up the Rhino like, rant. Wow, I'm so surprised the devs don't want to have a conversation because you're all caps typing swear words at them. Like that sounds productive. So I don't blame the devs entirely. I think a lot of pros are incredibly stupid with the way they engage with devs. They don't realize that they are humans. You you have to be respectful. I don't care. You play the game twelve hours a day. If you can't treat somebody with respect, they're not going to have a conversation with you. But that's another. That's an aside. Yeah. I do think the team has changed, and I think in in recent years they have become more and more open, receptive, engaging the community. Not just pros, like a ton of content creators, like all this stuff of like having the content creators be brought in and like discussing things, getting feedback, playtesting, all that stuff. That never happened years ago. This is like a a newer thing with the dev team. So I, I'm I put a lot. I have burnt out on the dev team years and years ago, but I I really see the new team as as hugely different, and I'm like super excited for them, and I. I'm, I'm really happy that they've chosen to like give a fresh start on this perspective. So I, I personally believe they would, might be down for it, but I think it's yeah. a fair point. You don't know. I just think from a cultural perspective, as is what I want to, but I really wanted to address is the culture idea about FPL. I think Overwatch is actually super well suited culturally for a product like this. I think this is actually exactly what Overwatch players would want because I think it's the nature of Overwatch. I think you take certain games and they just like, like Overwatch is is so meant to be played collaboratively. Like it's so not meant to be played in like uh um like I mean oh, I think Overwatch too. Honestly, they lean more towards like fuck it, you can deathmatch. Like who cares? Like that became more legitimate compared to Overwatch One, where that was like extremely bad way to play. And Overwatch Two, it's like that's like eighty percent as good as communicating. You know, it's like if you're really good mechanically, you just do your own thing. It's like seventy five percent as good as communicating. But you will actually just stomp people if you're like tryharding and working as a team. You can overcome a huge skill disparity in Overwatch by tryharding and working together and having a comprehensive strat. And the enemy team is just doing whatever deathmatching. You will absolutely stomp them if you're remotely close in skill and you're doing that. And I think that reality, competitive reality of Overwatch, means that I think people will want a system where you can try hard and that people who refuse to try hard are not welcome. <laughs> like it's like weird. And maybe that's like a sad way to look at it, but I think that's a huge problem in overwatch rank. It's good for there to be a place for people to just, you know what? No voice calm. I'm one tricking. I'm just, this is how I want to play overwatch. Totally fine. There should be a, I mean, like you can, you, you play this game. You can play however the fuck you want. Like there's no rules. That's fine. As long as you're like kind of trying to win like that, that's, that's like not against the rules. I think that's fine for that to exist, but I think it's a shame that there's no, alternative where we say 
you have like everyone here wants to try hard. We we want to have a we want to work together to make a strategy. We're all going to work together to play our strategy. We're not gonna, like you can be antisocial in ranked. Like if you're a pro player and you want to grief a game, you're like mad and tilted. You can just pick the worst character you can think of, and then like still try, and you aren't breaking any rules. I mean, like that is crazy because obviously picking a terrible character and like not playing coordinating and just kind of doing your own thing playing is not a it's not an optimal way to win so but but it's technically allowed and i think that that's like you know i, I understand some people just want to play that game that way and they just want to one trick and they just want to do their own thing and they can play ranked and like whatever i've, I've let that ship sail but there should be a place for people who say no actually i'm down to play a few different characters and i want to talk to my teammates and we can make a strat where we're all playing characters that work together and i'm willing to like make some compromises there. I'm willing to communicate and I'm willing to work together and try hard and, and play a strat. I think that is for me is like the heart and soul of Overwatch. It's what makes it fun. And if you're deathmatching is cool too, but but I think it's sad that there's nowhere where you can avoid because like if I want to play ranked and I want to super try hard, which I usually do when I'm playing ranked, I don't want to like I get somebody on my team who's gonna like not join voice and is going to pick their hero before the start of the game, even if they're hard countered. And we're just gonna have to play that with that. We're gonna have to like play with somebody who is in my view griefing but they honestly can't stop griefing that's like who they are is like that is what they do they only play this character whatever and you, you're just like there's nothing you can do about that other than having a system in which that is expressly forbidden and i think that's basically the point of fbl is like you can't go no comms and you can't just one trick and like not care about your team like you're, you're forced to work together there's a norm and an expectation of teamwork and, and trying hard well we'll see if that happens i'm still on the uh potential but i think i mean the point's true i mean to be honest i think i hear the i hear the rant and i hear the frustration of a man that's been playing overwatch a very long time and it's like <laughs> a man that's played overwatch a very long time at a high level and wants people to care as much as he does and like unfortunately it is just not there at the time but i mean the, the, it's true a lot of the points are correct i don't disagree don't disagree with the points i just i'm we'll see if it happens type of thing i'd like it to happen i think it'd be cool i think it'd be great if it does all right I just think it's. I just think it's weird. Last comment. I just think it's weird in a in a in a world where season nine is kind of being ranked for Blizzard to to buy that, given that it would directly compete with their own ranked system. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, one last thing there as well is that um, I believe the official age eligibility for Overwatch Champion Series is um, seventeen years old. Seventeen, just yes. like it was for Overwatch League um, last year. Um, Which does lock out some NA talent in particular. It does lock out yeah. lock out some NA talent. Right, Tree yeah. can't catch a break. How old's yeah. Tree now? It's like sixteen, I think. Oh man, no, he's gonna be seventeen. I think, and he posted it's like in May, so maybe oh. he went right at the start of the calendar. Okay. But I could easily, I think he would definitely get a spot in a team that's like in qualifiers. Mm -hmm. He would like get Tree. There, get tree spot. is a new right. sugar free. He's just perpetually underage. So yeah. after the I first major, so I guess. many. There's so many players though from NA who are like just reaching that that age range and are just like eligible to compete i'm i'm super stoked for the future of upcoming na yeah well tree might be one of the most visible names but i think there's a ton of people lined up right next yeah to well the additional point i was going to make to that is that if you looked at the um the uh, face it questions and answers um the eligibility for using the face it platform is 13. so i guess the hope would be that for those who are aren't eligible for Overwatch Champion Series, that there would be some additional tournaments um, where younger players could play, uh, grow their talents, of course, and hopefully make it big when they um, turn 17 or and can play in the uh, the biggest Overwatch tournament. But um, 
North America has had uh, a lot of talent, you know. Um, I got a hot take years, for, so. the, for the face it. If there is FPL, that will be a better path to pro than any fucking tournament they have ever run. Like all the contenders and stuff, it'll be infinitely better if there is like a successful FPL team. If so you think you FPL will want... be better than OWCS or Ouches, as I'm calling it? You think it's to be better than Ouches? No, no, no. Better than <laughs> better than like basically better than having like contenders for Overwatch League. Like contenders oh, is sure. like, yeah, okay. oh, you can show your skill. And like, if you're good enough, you might join the Overwatch League. Face it, Pro League is like actually a, that's like will actually happen in FPL. Contenders is well... really flawed for that because you don't play with the best players. Like if I'm a coach and I'm looking at some top contenders talent, I will never know how they do against a like an actual Overwatch League team. But if you are like rank one in FPL, that means you are beating existing current pros like check, the check. actual same people. You can compete with them. That's so important. That's crucial. Listen, dude, a lot of coach scouting was in their scrims versus contenders teams. That's like like where Gumba finds all his new exactly, players because, and no one else's. Because they're playing no FPL, against yeah. Overwatch League players. They are playing uh, in the same game instead of contenders, which is like you're you're playing the, each other and you need none of you are as good contest, as league. like the anything i'll contest anything anything i'll contest is that fpl would be better definitely way better than open division for getting people into a competitive setting but if you compare it to contenders like the peak i of think better for scouting than contenders i would the, care so much more about somebody hitting rank one fpl than about winning contenders i would like of, instantly sign somebody who can hit rank one fpl uh, and they're turning 17 the, versus contenders i'm like questioning them i need to okay. evaluate them but I will say the peak of contenders in 2019 when it had Pacific Showdown, Atlantic Showdown, and a gauntlet, like a huge land, one of the biggest Overwatch lands, actually, if you look at the amount of teams that went there. And obviously it went downhill after that with COVID and funding, whatever. But peak of contenders was really big. So I think, you know, that level of contenders, you're not getting a gigantic global land from FPL, for example. So there is that. All right. Um, I don't have anything more for you guys. Um, I think we covered most of it that was announced for uh, the 2024 Overwatch format. Uh, my dog really wants me to go out, take it for a walk. Um, BP coming in clutch today. Thank you, BP. Uh, ho yeah. hope I you actually have to now. say, Bad Bad Jumari, he had... Bro, I know, bro... I know he knew something. I know he knew something. <laughs> he said, the curse is real. I know he, he knew something. something. The curse is real. I'm almost certain of it. So... That's just... I don't. I don't know if I want to pull back the curtain this one. You know what? Yeah. I'll let people believe Santa Claus is real today. Same. That's, that's Leave, what the I'll say. Leave the curtain. Santa Claus is real, guys. Same. Yeah. We're good. We're good here. Um, is there anything else? Anything you guys feel like we missed when we talked about this year's format? Uh, we'll be talking about it throughout the year, of course, here on Plat Chat. So make sure you stay tuned for future episodes. But anything directly we missed today uh, that you feel, guys, is uh, it's the JV tournament. There it is. There we we did have the JD tournament. There it is. There we go. Fucking RuPaul is playing. He's his captain and his team playing with fucking McGravy. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> like he's getting those old heads, getting those fucking old heads on the team. I'm like, god damn. Team. God Seeker damn. Apply, it's like him and Seeker and apply, and they got McGravy. I'm like, god damn. Yeah. That's an old head right there. Is it as as a, as a maybe like a bigger question? Is there anything we think this program is seriously missing outside of the fact that okay. We don't have China. That's a big deal, but we know why. I mean, more my, serious we think is missing from this. My biggest concern is um, this seems like there will be a lot of stuff happening when it comes to like tournaments and uh, qualifiers and all that stuff. How many actual like broadcast days will we get? Like, how, you know, if it's going to be like flash ups where only like the main event is broadcast, I hopefully, hopefully that's not it. You know, hopefully some main qualifiers and stuff are broadcast right um so that is the biggest question for me last year with the overwatch league 
um you know franchise matches there was a minimum amount of matches for each team throughout the season right and there was actually quite a lot of matches which means quite a lot of broadcast days is that going to be the th same thing this year really looking forward to more co-streams going to be great to see content creators um partaking the scene but if this thing is going to be financially viable um you know for 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 a lot of us me included you know the there needs to be um some kind of work right uh, and so i hope there will be a lot of work hopefully for me this year uh i don't know if there's going to be you know you know we'll see that's not we haven't even discussed that right yet so is real estate not working out what's going on uh well <laughs> the, i think the problem is i don't want to go into real estate avril uh so i prefer <laughs> to continue for my what will this be eight eighth year of uh doing overwatch league or not overwatch league doing overwatch uh esports right so uh i'd like to continue doing that but we'll have to see if it's financially viable for some of us so uh yeah that is the biggest question I, for me will there be actual like enough enough broadcasts um i think i think the biggest thing that is missing in my opinion is probably like incentive for orgs and um i would like to know more about viewship incentives and what we're gonna do with like you know because we with the world cup last year they begun looking at experimenting with crowdfunding i think that could be a good source of additional prizing income for the players and just integration into the actual game itself so that returning would be a pretty big deal i would like to see that return um you know what's happening with owl tokens is another big question uh the overwatch league in-game store let's be honest is probably going to die but can something replace it like we're going to get something else in return i don't think they should or have what? a separate like store i just personally i think all I think it should be essentially where this is sort of a Valorant style model where it's the skins, you release the skins as a special skin pack and it's just available for everyone. There's not like in a special store. I don't, He's in my opinion, all, all in-game transactions should be a wide, should be available to all the public audience. That's what orgs want too, because it also gives you the widest exposure. You don't want to. The Overwatch League store is available to everyone. I mean, that wasn't. Ah, like but no one's fucking. Available. But the point is, it's not like when you load up, you're like, oh, let's look at the Overwatch League store. The point is, is that like when you're the microtransactions should be all integrated right. together. It should not be segmented. It should be all in one part because that's what orgs want, and also in many ways that's what the dev wants because the dev doesn't want to have to take away funding and time building a separate product. They yeah. want it all to be because one product so i'll say this much i'll say this much because we we've all talked about the fact that if you're if you're playing you're mostly going to be playing for prize pools and that means only the top teams the top players get a real cut and everyone else doesn't get shit then what would really help that is to have some sort of in-game cosmetic prize pool price funding where that goes to everybody you could sell a skin bundle or a skin and that gets equally distributed against among every single team that for example goes to a major and that way even if you come last if there's enough crowdfunding, you can still get a decent amount of payout. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, pretty much they have a lot of, they have infinite tools at their disposable. It's just a question of like, are they going to use them? And like, are they like that? Like the, all the tools are there. They Blizzard essentially could do whatever they want to add value to the ecosystem. It's just, do they care enough to do it? And do, is the money, do they find, and by care enough, that also includes like specifically the calculations in their mind of like, is the payoff of putting dev hours into this worth more than just putting in some other product, you know? Um, so that's that's really what it comes down to because they have all the power and they have all the ability with with Overwatch League removed too. There is no third party stakeholders to balance needs with anymore. Before there was legal agreements, we had you know we had money to balance with. Like people were like, hey, where the fuck is the money? Like you know stuff like that. Now it's like okay, they're the only person in charge of everything. They have complete and total control of like how everything gets made, which is 
nice for for a dev cycle side but is it you know there's obviously less counterbalance on like the esports side so they it's really just up to them what they view as valuable or not and i hope they see the value in transit micro even if the microtransactions don't necessarily go towards team orgs but specifically just for like player prize pools like that's still valuable um so that's i hope they utilize that and realize that the power of esports is that it's a there's a reason riot game, even granted i just say riot laid off 11 percent of its workforce globally recently but like unfortunately but like they still have a dedicated riot uh, riot esports arm because they see the value in it long term um and they know it's something to market the product so and to give it prestige as well which is something that you can't you know, it's the same reason fucking billionaires lose money on sports. Prestige is something that you can't buy, but you can buy by play, paying people to play it. So, like, you know, like, that's just how it works. So, we'll see. We'll see. You buy it do. over the long term, not yeah, all at once. Exactly. All right, Jake, how excited are you for uh, this circuit? How th did, it, did it meet your expectations on a scale of 1 to 10? How excited are you about this year's format? I'm a big fan. I think for me, that number, I won't be answerable until we know more about it. Face it. I, I am like, I care more about something like FPL existing than I care about like the pro, like the overall tournament scene at international layers. Maybe I'm crazy for this. I just really have such a strong belief that that for me, that is the true, that is the grassroot of esports is an environment in which people are expected to play with a true competitive mindset. And that's the norm. And I think that doesn't exist in ranked. It doesn't exist in any any ranked game ever made. It doesn't exist because they're, you're they're anonymous. There's they like have to they have to be a place for every single like ideally from the devs perspective, every single person who plays our game is going to want to play ranked. So so there has to be like lower expectations, but for there to be a place with higher expectations, something I want. I think it's something a lot of players will want, um, and I think a lot of people. That's like, for me, that is esports. That's like the absolute beginning is that we're going to play together. We're going to treat this as a true team game and not as five individuals versus five other individuals. I think the modern ranked experience in almost every title is basically five individuals versus five individuals. And your degree to which you are a team is like wholly up to you. Um, and I think that's understandable. It's a necessity. It's reality. But it's also, it's a shame I think that people don't see what games like Overwatch can be when you truly play with a collective mindset. Um, and I, and so that for me is like what I care about more. I mean, I, I, from a just pro scenes perspective, I feel like this is like kind of about what I expected. It didn't like blow me out of the water a 10 out of 10, but it's like, you know what, this is cool. And I think this can succeed. Um, and so I'll give it like a solid eight out of 10. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to watch and see, see where I fit in the ecosystem. As you were saying, Johnny, I think you make great points ever in here. You guys make great points. I agree with everything you guys said in, in conclusion. Also, also, guys, don't forget to use code Jake at the checkout when you sign up for your face subscription. So true. So true. I think I'm going to be paying full price, guys. I'm going to be paying full price. I have no financial relationship with, with any of we these. Do I don't actually, care who it is, We do actually have like, chat. Like, we do actually with Moundscape. So people don't understand this, maybe. But if when you use code PLATCHAT for 20% off plus free shipping at Moundscape, you are supporting the podcast. So yes. I would hope it. people know that that's... We have a direct financial incentive there. And also because... The if you make them happy we're happy we're all happy so and we love them being happy so yeah I you shave your balls we get paid guys. what the fuck does that zoom in bloom and onion what, what is he talking about here is that we sprinkle adderall on the bloom and onion what is the zoom in bloom and onion <laughs> i've never I don't been know what any of this shit is 
I think uh, if you ask Costa, ask Costa what a blooming onion is. Um, well, I know I what a blooming onion be... is, but what's the zoom in? What's the zoom portion? Of I don't it? know. That's what I'm wondering. You know, maybe I'll have to figure that out too. Anyway, I've asked closing thoughts here. We know it, we know it was going to be grassroots. We know it's going to be you know a big difference from last year with the Overwatch League. You know, there's going to be less resources this year. But as we move into this year, and now you know a bit more, what are, what's kind of like gut instinct about the future of Overwatch esports? I have a lot of thoughts, but I, I'm going to say that realistically from a pragmatic perspective, everyone should be uh, thanking their lucky stars that something fucking exists at all. Um, so I think that's the big thing to walk away from. And I think there's clearly a willingness to make products and like try to like build something new, which I think is great. So overall, I'm optimistic as someone that I love esports in general and like a lot of other products and things like that. But like Overwatch is obviously a lot of our first real like you know it's our first real home and like making our professional life and um i'm really hoping it succeeds and i'm cautiously optimistic that there's like room for growth and treating it in a very sustainable way to kind of earn back the trust of the community and of like the wider community of like every time because i think we're all tired of like every time overwatch gets mentioned it's like haha overwatch it's like okay well like you know we want it to be seen like it is a real product it's it's done a lot of great things for esports and overall holistically and some bad things and you know it's, it's something that has potential to be really great so i'm i'm cautious optimistic but there's a lot of pain points which have not even been delved into yet but you know which i'm sure we're gonna hear a lot of so i'm, yeah. I'm still looking forward to it yeah i mean did you wait you got pain points we, sh we should have brought that up on the pod i would have liked to hear we gotta save some content, Avril. We gotta save some content. And also, well, I think some of the conversations man, that we could have are holding perhaps, back. You know, there are. Well, also, well, know. I think we'll need to see more. Need to learn more about like this, and 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 just like I think this is like day one analysis, right? No. Versus like I think we'll know more and things will be more clear in a in a week, a month, a few months. Well, they say it's supposed to start in February, right? Once we've actually seen some of the play, like I think that depends most... on region. I think it's only only the ape. Packs, yeah, but still, but I mean, like, they're then... gonna start rolling out programs in February, so like, hopefully, we should yeah. be receiving clarification. Yeah, right? sign ups. I mean, yeah. sign ups for those summit qualifiers should be coming up relatively soon, right? So people can get the yeah. order and yeah. sign up their teams and stuff like that. So I think that is kind of the next step that we're looking at, and then, uh, then yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right, SD, I made it sound like it sounded like it they'd sell at Applebee's. I've never been. LOL. Okay, so Applebee's does not have a blooming onion. That that is out. That that's is Outback, Outback Steakhouse. Steakhouse. Yeah, Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. I've never eaten in an Outback Steakhouse. Oh, I, I brought like the Costa there uh, for BlizzCon oh, 2022. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it was. And then he got That's... COVID afterwards. Uh, yeah. he was Not a good endorsement. Not That's a good endorsement of Outback Steakhouse. That's why he right missed there. some broadcast in 2022 uh, <laughs> oh, playoffs. Is, uh, I took him to Outback Steakhouse and got COVID. So. Not a good endorsement. That was tough. That was tough. Right. Uh, for Brands of the Week, I'm unfortunately going to take uh, pivot in a different direction here. Um, as Savas mentioned just a few minutes ago, obviously some really sad news coming out of Riot Games yesterday, uh, where they laid off 11%, I believe it was, 11% of their workforce, over 500 people um, were let go uh, from Riot Games. Uh, we're in a blog post. They, um, they um, said that they're shifting their philosophy a little bit, um, and they're focusing more on their core games, meaning League of Legends, Valorant, uh, and I believe it's Teamfight Tactics. Um, and they're letting go um, some people um, around those projects and around the company. Um, and so, Brent Spread of the Week, 
even though it might seem like it, this was really dumb of me. It's not Riot Games, but it's actually the people who are getting laid off from Riot Games. Uh, because obviously, this has been an ongoing thing here in January 2024. Um, a lot of people around the gaming industry are getting uh, let go, whether it's Riot Games. I believe Discord had some as well. I mean, th th it just goes on and on, like Slack. Me? Um, I me? Me? Florida Mayhem laying off uh, tons of people. I've asked. Uh, unemployed. Check out this LinkedIn. Um, but also, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I just wanted to highlight um, these people who were let go. Um, obviously, sending you all um, our support and hope um, everyone lands on their feet and, and, and gets, uh, gets to stay in gaming. Um, I don't think anyone <laughs> starts working in gaming uh, for the money necessarily or because of some kind of like opportunity here. Um, I, we all genuinely just love video games um, and the gaming industry. And I think we all just want to create awesome experiences for fans, for players, right? Um, and so for Brands of the Week, um, I'm kind of hijacking the segment and just making uh, everyone who were let go from Riot Games uh, Brands of the Week. And I, uh, I hope you land on your feet. Um, and get to continue working in gaming um, and that everything goes well for those people. So it sucks to see um, what's really going on. And I, I guess there will be more of this coming in 2024. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough year for everybody in gaming. Um, so yeah, just kind of hard. on a positive note there. Um, but you know what? Everyone, you know, it was a good shout out. It was a good shout out though. Yeah. They're all very talented people. A lot of those people they are, are very talented. They also, I will, the, the, only to give Riot credit, they really did give an amazing severance package for those employees. Uh, I, I was fucking amazed that everyone's getting six months of severance plus a cash bonus plus like a continuation of their coverage. Like fucking crazy. That's a yeah. really good severance package. But obviously, at the end of the day, all those people I think are really talented and should still hopefully find a new home and realistically maybe should have stayed employed at their current positions. But that's how it goes. Yeah. Was it as good as your severance vast? No, no, my severance was much worse. But but <laughs> misfits, uh, but misfits also like treated me really well. So like I have nothing to complain about. Like it's that's like a very non-standard severance package for like for people. A lot of yeah, people, that's they, that's above average. For they sure. weren't even there. For, a lot of the, a lot of those people weren't even there anything. for like a year, and they got a severance package of that. Like that's fucking crazy. So like I mean, I do give some props to that, and I also no disrespect on misfits because they gave me you know they gave me a very reasonable severance package myself, which is more than I could ask for. You know. That is not me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Great st stroke on Trent area. Okay. Uh, there I yep. am. <laughs> that's what you've got after you read message this person on LinkedIn yeah. to hire a yep. mask. That's, that's me. That's me, that guys. I had to find a side hustle. I, had to find I side can't hustle. believe you found it, Solomon. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, 90% was because I wanted to highlight the Volset Riot. 10% uh, was also because I didn't want Matt, Mr. X, to get uh, Brands of the Week. So fuck you, yeah. Matt. Uh, I hate that you came on the show. Hopefully you won't come on the show again. Uh, I hate Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe well, you. Not pulling any punches. No, I'm pulling, not pulling any punches. Avril, Jake, Avast, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show this week. Shout out to Solomon, our producer, of course, uh, for all your great work. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, maybe with Siri. Shout out to Manscaped. It's been a good one. See you for episode 211 next week. Take care, everybody.